to Travolting, covering Battlefield Earth, with very special guest, Rebecca Johnson. Enjoy the episode. In the year 3000, the Earth has been taken over by the Cyclones. One man will rise up and fight them. This is the saga of Johnny Good Boy Tyler. Yeah, it's the actual pitch of Battlefield Earth. Uh. <laughs> no, I think the pitch of Battlefield Earth was, um, who was the it, who was the initial like pitcher in this? Like, was it the writer? Or uh, was... No, this this was a, a John Travolta from oh. inception. Who's to conclusion. walking in the executive uh, John pitcher? Travolta. Okay, so John, here, here's how the pitch went, guys. You ready for this? John Travolta walks into the boardroom of executives for entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. And like, what do you got for us, Travolta? Be like, guys, here's what I got. He starts to unbuckle his pants. People start. <laughs> <laughs> People start to get very uncomfortable. They're like, whoa, 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 John, what are you doing? It's like, no, 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 just get, give me a second, give me a second. Totally pulls down his pants, hops up on the conference room table takes the nastiest shit right in front of them <laughs> without breaking eye contact and his John Travolta blinkless smile. Yeah, no the the no broken eye contact, that's important. Yeah. And then after it's done, after thirty seconds of shitting has been <laughs> commenced, he then gets off the table. It's still there, moist and wet. And oh. then he looks at them Pulls his pants up. Doesn't wipe, by the way. <laughs> he hasn't wiped. Buckles his pants back up. Says, Battlefield Earth. <laughs> yeah, folks. This week we're covering Battlefield Earth. Battlefield Earth. Thank you for listening to our Scientology orientation episode last week. Oh, it's going to provide the important God. context that going into this. That was last week. That was last week. Oh, Jesus. Wait, that actually is important context. Yeah, it's important. Was that con- intentional? That was intentional. That's why we did that one. Then. Oh. So we could kind of lay the groundwork for what some of what we'll be talking about here. I definitely left the room when you were watching the orientation video because I'm like, this is taking it a step too far. <laughs> and then I did not know the likes of Battlefield Earth would follow. <laughs> it immediately after yeah all right so uh we're joined by a very special guest from our pulp fiction episode rebecca johnson today Hi, Becca. I, I just want to start off the bat by saying uh, i'm not going to be gaslit in this episode this was uh she volunteered for this <laughs> <laughs> i will not be said that i put her through this this was a volunteer operation Look, man i'm trying to reach a level of zen so i can get through this <laughs> i'm get crushing this. your vibe no, you're not crushing my vibe. This movie crushed my vibe. <laughs> this movie crushes everybody's vibe. Yeah. I mean, like... This is going to be a, tri- nah, this is a I, trying I, I episode. This it. is going to try the concept of this podcast. It's going to try our friendship, our relationship. Yeah. yeah. Generally, just the fabric of space-time is going to be tried. The thing is, it's like, I just want to open the floodgates of comments and words that i have and yeah. it's taking a lot yeah for me not so, to not do so like let's right. you want to get into let's the context get, corner let's get to the context corner let's get the we still we got jeff yeah we got a hair ranking to do this <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i get to witness this i mean oh my god let's go to the context corner <laughs> okay. i'm gonna let's let's savor this up Oof. but yeah that's we're, that's we're something get, we let's, gotta let's do. shimmy on over to the context corner yeah i'm pushing um, all of my appointments today <laughs> so battlefield earth is based on a 1982 novel by uh, l ron hubbard also the writer of dianetics the founder of scientology 
apparent uh, as they claim one of the most renowned sci-fi authors of all time though everything i can find out is people feeling like he was middling at best <laughs> yep. um, and uh that we talked about this last week yeah. but like you know at least like most of the writers of religions that we know of are long dead yes and there's a little bit and you know it's one thing if there were like a shepherd or a carpenter and it's like oh like is it very impossible that yeah. they got enlightened by some outward force and they came up with this new rule set of life maybe this is guy is a science fiction yes. writer <laughs> this is like if george lucas just started saying yeah the force is real uh, and started like a actual religion based off are of you that. saying l ron hubbard was first a science fiction writer, second, the leader of Scientology? Yep. No. Yep. Yes. Yeah, I should have watched that orientation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, uh, you know, he, he created the concept of Dianetics yep. and kind of wrote science fiction that was, to him, the Bible, essentially. What What is the science? Because I thought Dianetics was the Scientology yes. Bible. Like, yeah. Oh. There's a lot, like as we talked about last week, that whole video is just people selling you more and more books. Like, you have so to have 50 many books. books to, like, it's like you know, if you go to like your local Baptist church, they're like, "Here's a pocket Bible. Yeah, well, welcome to welcome one to book. The, welcome to the Brotherhood. It's one book. <laughs> is there a sleeve with like a really poorly drawn alien on it for an ad of L. Ron well, Hubbard's like side gig as a science fiction writer? That's that's the bit about Scientology. Is it's like I think I said this last week, but it's like it's a pyramid scheme where you get in on the like. Dynamics. We're all connected spiritually, which is like a very like palatable concept to a lot of people, and like makes sense. We all have souls. Like we all have that. souls, and we're all connected in this grand cosmic energy. I can agree with that. And then like a year in, they're like, "All right, we're going to the next stage." Xenu dropped Terran DNA into a volcano, and that's what spawned <laughs> life on Earth. It's like, whoa! But at that point, you're in, you're in too deep to get out. All gas, no brakes. <laughs> <laughs> all gas, no brakes. Okay. Um. But Battlefield Earth is not inherently um, written as part of the Scientology text. Yes. It's a separate sci-fi book. J.D. Shapiro, right? No, L. Ron Hubbard wrote it. J.D. Shapiro is the writer of the The, the screenwriter. Yeah. Yeah. But the book is not directly Scientology, but it does have the themes that L. Ron Hubbard kind of wrote into Scientology in it. And some of the ideas about, like, you know, materialism and, uh, attain and like, gods leaving abandoning humanity and all that fun stuff interconnectedness yeah that's not even subtle in this movie it's <laughs> yes. giant ass gold bricks where does Terrell fit <laughs> <laughs> Terrell Terrell is that how you say it I, people were saying different names in this movie <laughs> that's true oh were they I didn't even know I didn't but um basically like he he wrote this book L. Ron Hubbard and he was immediately like I want this to be a movie and so he he wrote a screenplay version of it got immediately no traction who does he go to next who's a young up-and-coming scientologist in the year 1982 oh no he goes to john travolta and says oh, i want this to be no. a movie in 1982 in 1982 johnny t good boy and <sighs> he he talks to him immediately john travolta is coming off of the blowout like yeah. staying alive run so he has no clout in hollywood anymore um he goes to people and he's like i want to make the sci-fi movie he says, "I think it can be the next Star Wars." Everyone immediately laughs. Uh, and they're like, "This, no, this like washed out." He says that a lot in publicity, right? That yes, this is like Star Wars. He says a lot of things that yeah. we'll get to. <laughs> but he um, he tries to get this made, does not get it made, 
an attempt is made to shoot this as like a super low budget, like Roger Corman style film in 84. Uh, it falls apart very quickly with not much to uh, go off of it. Like they made it, but it didn't make any traction. Uh, they, they tried to get it made oh. and only got to the point of like, even with a low, they're like, we can't do this on this budget and no one really has any passion for this right now. Hmm. So 10 years go by. It's mostly forgotten about by Hollywood. Who does not forget about it is John Travolta. This is the first thing he does after Pulp Fiction. Right after he gets the success of Pulp Fiction, is he says, I want to make Battlefield Earth finally. That is what he cashes his blank check on after he has the Oscar nomination and major success of Pulp Fiction. He says, I want to make Battlefield Earth. He goes to 20th Century Fox, I believe, uh, did this movie? Question mark? Uh, No, it's Warner Brothers. It's a Warner Brothers picture. 20th Century Fox said no. <laughs> <laughs> Decidedly no. But uh, he he remembered Hubbard's wishes and he wanted to like respect them because uh, he was a great admi- a great admirer. Uh, in 1995, he says, "I'm going to make this movie." He goes around to a lot of studios. Eventually, Warner Brothers signs on, um, and his manager Jonathan Crane kind of helps him start putting it together. Um, he he says. Uh, this is going to be a, like Pulp Fiction for the year 3000. Ew. Uh, he goes to Quentin Tarantino and says, will you direct this movie? Oh, God. Quentin Tarantino wisely says, I have no interest in doing that. Why did you ask me? <laughs> so he goes around to a lot of other directors. They all say no. He's still trying to get this made. They end up picking Roger Christian, uh, who, if you were unaware, was the second unit director of The Phantom Menace. Oh, <laughs> The second unit director. Because John Travolta asked George Lucas who should direct this grand sci-fi movie I'm going to make. Because I'm trying to make the next Star Wars. That's a weird thing to approach George Lucas. And George, and George looks like, yeah, my, my second unit director on this film. Uh, Roger Christian, he was pretty good. <laughs> I know most of our filmmaker friends listen to this podcast, but for maybe people who aren't filmmakers, like, let's just George classify. Lucas made Star Wars, if you didn't know. Well, no, I'm talking <laughs> about, like, let's classify what a, what a second unit director yeah. really means. Like, because it's not, like, you're not, like, the director. Mm-hmm. You basically go out and shoot, like, B-roll stuff. And they're, like, C-cam inserts or all that kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you're basically taking, like, a spare camera while the main unit, like, George Lucas, Liam Neeson, and Ewan McGregor yeah. are shooting the real things. And you're, like, doing, like, all right, we need this hand to pick up this, like, prop. Yeah. And that's just a close-up and... That's that's what second unit directors. A lot of times they do the action sequences. Yeah, like with stunts and, yeah. and things like that. They don't mess. They don't really work with the real talent. Yeah, it's just kind of like the stunt portions. It makes things go faster for production. Yeah, yeah. But uh, John Travolta says about this: Battlefield Earth is the pinnacle of using my power for something. I told my manager, if we can't do the things that we want to do, what good is this power? Let's test it and try and get things done that we believe in. The man deeply believes in this project. I'm speechless. He, oh he, my God. The funding he finally gets is from Franchise Pictures, who kind of assimilates it into Warner Brothers for release. Franchise's whole bit was like they would take star vehicles that actors wanted to do, um, but the cost was too high, and get them to come in and have all the actors do it for a cheap rate, but gets the movie made. Huh. So John Travolta, who was demanding very large salaries at this time, uh, due to his like really strong string of hits after Pulp Fiction, takes a huge pay cut for this movie. He still gets somewhere uh, around like ten million dollars for Are this, you, which is no. a lot of money. <laughs> oh. um, 
But what was the budget of this film? Which so, I know there's some controversy. There's some controversy. The official budget for this movie is seventy three million dollars. Oh, it is. It is well. It is uh, apocryphal knowledge <laughs> said by Barry Pepper, who's in this movie. Uh, and the director that the more realistic had about twenty five million to make the movie, because the rest went to John Travolta and the rest of the cast. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, I think I believe over half of the money for this movie went into the cast. Which that <laughs> took gonna... a pay cut of ten million dollars. <laughs> yes, and, st- and still and still took up lots of the bu- budget. Yes. Which, by the way, uh, this is my first little zinger with this whole story. It's like he believes in this project so much, but he's going to cripple it with his like <laughs> demanding salary. Like, how about you just stick on as an EP, John, and like maybe get somebody else to play Turl or <laughs> whatever, like and use the budget for bigger, better things like, you know, a level tripod. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Here's some of the uh, the bit is 20 million of the budget was allocated for marketing and distribution. Mm-hmm. Which usually is like an overhead on top of the budget, but I believe it was pulled out of the budget for this one. Mm. Uh, Travolta put five million of his own dollars into the production, <laughs> so he put half of his salary back into the movie. I was gonna say then maybe okay, he take okay. Sorry. Uh-huh. Um, so, <laughs> so he he kind he leads in and he runs into that. Um, the Church of Scientology has involvement in this production. Of course they. Because they own L. Ron Hubbard's estate, oh, so oh. they're they're pocketing some of the rights uh, money from this. Uh, John, I'm Travol- glad this movie bombed. Then <laughs> Travolta and the rest of Hollywood says that, or the rest of the people involved say that this m- movie has no Scientology involvement, which absolutely is not the case. <laughs> uh, they were very involved. It does have one prominent Scientologist not involved in this movie, though. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise was offered involvement in this movie and he told warner brothers this is a bad idea this movie should not be made <laughs> which if tom cruise is saying something's a little too crazy for him <laughs> i don't know what 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 else you could have expected to come out of this. tom cruise isn't isn't by no means like not knowledgeable in a good or bad script tom cruise is very smart smart is uh is his uh it's his reputation that he's very smart in how he uses his star power and picks his projects. He also jumps out of airplanes in the stratosphere. So, yes. you know, <laughs> you can be smart, but also insane at the yeah. same time. <laughs> um, but he's like, they're Jesus in some way, Tom Cruise. And when Jesus comes up to you and tells you not to make passion of the Christ, mm-hmm. maybe don't make passion of the Christ, you know? So I think that's kind of the metaphor with this. Yes. So the uh, this movie goes through ten different screenwriters. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! Uh, one of them being J.D. Shapiro, um, who deeply regrets being involved in this movie. Um, he, I believe he uh, he tried to uh, he tried to get his name removed from credit of this movie, um, but he would lose out on any money if he did through WGA rules. So he accepted the credit in exchange for the money, even though he wanted no involvement in this. Oh man! Oh, my God. Uh, he did. Sometimes he, you just gotta take the hit. He did go on to accept the uh, the Golden Raspberry Award for this movie for worst film of the decade in the year two thousand nine. Ooh! Wow. <laughs> he he personally accepted it. Um, good on him, I say. Yeah, honestly. But from what we're getting from the context is John Travolta is very invested in this movie. He's the one who uses his collateral for Pulp Fiction to get it made. He's the one who's pitching this movie. 
He's the one who's hiring the director. He's hiring the screenwriters. He's very involved in the writing. Originally, he wants to play the lead role of Johnny Goodboy Taylor, which is a name. Uh, he's, he uh, realizes he is now too old to play that role. So he's going to play the villain Turrell, or Turrell, however you say it. Yeah. Um, and, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, and they go into production. Uh, <laughs> aren't we so lucky? <laughs> they go into production. Uh, this thing was shot over, I believe, 70 days, I read. Um <laughs> Okay, that's uh, a... catering was notoriously bad on the production of this to the extent that John Travolta flew his own personal chef in huh? <laughs> to to cater for the cast and crew because he couldn't uh, he couldn't do it. Oh my gosh! Uh, Roger Christian, first time directing like a feature um, of this scale, oh. Oh, no. aside from Second Unit on the Phantom Menace, uh, says he wants it to look like a comic book, and so he makes the decision every angle. Uh. Every shot in this movie is going to be a Dutch angle. I, I, I really have nothing to say. <laughs> the for the, me, the Dutch angles work only in like mediums to close-ups, mostly because mm-hmm. it's a little skewed. But when it's a wide, no, it's it's beyond upsetting. <laughs> and to have it happen. All the time. Literally every shot. Every shot. Every shot. Like you watch the first scene and it starts off with like landscape. So it's kind of, it's almost a little difficult to tell how. It's sweeping. Like, you know, canted it is. But then when they get to like the village in the first scene and then like everything is Dutch Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, no, no, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) It literally (laughs) is dizzying. And then it just keeps going. And then eventually, like, I don't know about you, but like my head would just like sag throughout the entire movie as I'm like, what is happening? I I remember a shot specifically of the woman that Johnny's character is in love with riding a horse. And the horse looks like it's walking uphill because it's so (laughs) Dutch. But it's walking towards you. Um, Yeah. I want to just read a quote from the screenwriter of this film, Roger uh, J.D. Sapiro. The reason he got involved in this movie is because he had read that the Scientology Celebrity Center in L.A. was a great place to pick up women. Oh. And right. uh, when he, so he went there to get a date <laughs> wound up writing Battlefielder. Oh, J.D. Sapiro. <laughs> you should have kept it in your pants, brother. Guys, <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> Did he meet anybody, though? Uh, he met John Travolta <laughs> this movie. Oh, Man. I met in a romantic sense, but well, that's Se- fine. Seemingly not. This is when the TVA would have been very helpful in just erasing this timeline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we live in a timeline where Battlefield Earth exists, guys. It's unfortunate. <laughs> we're in the lesser of timelines. I think I mentioned at some point in this movie. I'm like, where where does Nicolas Cage come in? Because this would be. Oh the, the movie that Nicolas Cage would be. And so I, I think I mentioned, I'm like, I want to jump back on the timeline where at least Nicolas Cage is in this movie. Mm-hmm. However <laughs> we get there, I want to be on that timeline. And then he's got to know how crazy it is. So he adds his own Nick Cage crazy <laughs> to it. And I think the movie would have been better for it. Yeah. And so this is, this is basically the end of the context corner. But uh, during production, Travolta remains very adamant this is going to be a major success. How? To the extent that he sets up not only a sequel... Oh. based on the second half of the book. Because this is only based on the first half of the book. He sets up an animated series. He sets up a toy line. He sets up this becoming a Star Wars-style franchise. 
Because he says this is going to be Star Wars, but better. <laughs> and Pulp Fiction for the year, 3,000. And speaking of the year 3,000, this movie starts. Oh, We're segwaying right into We're it. We're going into it right away, aren't we? We are. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the very opening scene... Yes. Landscapes of mountains. Well, before we get landscapes of mountains, we get the MPAA warning pops up that says rated PG 13 for intense sci fi action. Oh my God. We're starting that far back, aren't <laughs> and that, we? And whenever I see intense sci fi action, that's when I'm like, hooting and hollering. Hooting and hollering. Okay. I want to know the definition of intense in this context. <laughs> there's very there's no intensity uh, in fast this. Fast cuts <laughs> in slow mo mm-hmm. and color shifts. That's yes. what intense is. <laughs> This movie plays as if someone watched Independence Day and said, yeah, let's just do that, uh, but for one-fourth of the budget. Yeah, basically. It's like Independence Day meets Planet of the Earths, but somehow low... Did I say Planet of the Earths? Planet of the Apes? Planet of the Apes. This movie is making your IQ drop, <laughs> Planet of the Earths. And we need to cleanse ourselves of it quickly. <laughs> um, so mankind's endangered. Yes. Why are they endangered? Well, Why do we get told? Well, this is a saga of the year 3000. A saga of the year 3000. <laughs> a saga of the year 3000. <laughs> so the Cyclos. Do, do we want to just talk about the Barry Pepper storyline before we get into the Cyclos? Or do we want to? What storyline? <laughs> uh, well, I'm just talking about in context of the movie you're watching in sequence. Mm-hmm. Because it just says year 3000. Mankind is an endangered species. Oh, yes. So, like, let's erase the whole thing where if you saw, like, a trailer with alien with cyclos and you yeah. you knew what the book was about, it's just you're going into the movie for the first time. You don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. It's just mankind, year 3000, mankind is an endangered species. That's it. Yes. That's the text. <laughs> that is There's it. no other text. It's not like they were wiped out by this alien race called the Cyclos, and now they live as, like, village people. <laughs> no, there's none of that. It's just <laughs> mankind is an endangered species. I'm like... Cool. Like, they all got <laughs> diabetes and died or whatever. Like, who knows? Yeah, we're, no we're explanation. In, we're introduced to a bunch of cave people, essentially. Yes. But they all speak English. <laughs> yes, they yeah. all speak English. <laughs> and that's when we get the first, like, series of Dutch angles that yes. never stops. <laughs> it just doesn't end. <laughs> it doesn't I end. I just don't see how, and I don't know anything about anything, but if an alien species wipes out humanity and there's only a certain number of people left... Like, why are all of a sudden they're wearing bones around their necks and cow hides? <laughs> well, this was my question, too, which was like, okay, this is the year 3000. How long ago was Earth? 1,000 years, apparently. One thousand. So that's my point. It's the year 2000 when they get invaded, right? Yes. And then the Cyclos take over. So yes. the Cyclos have like owned Earth for 1,000 years or whatever. Yes. And... Mm-hmm. Some of them they own like a very inefficient mining operation. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, a thousand years. That's like a thousand been, years. They still have been blood and dry. Still it. there? Like <laughs> what? And then like um, and, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, this movie's so God <laughs> incomprehensible is really the word. But like so, yeah, they invade a thousand years ago. They wipe out everything, and so, but there's still like all these like the ruins of like the modern day stuff, like the yeah. buildings and the cars. There's still like electricity in some of these places, yes. by the way. Yeah. I, I, we'll get to some scenes later, but like there's some moments when they sneak into these buildings where the lights just come on. I'm like, yes. What? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there are also moments where the lights change color well, midway yeah, through the that shot. That too. Oh. That too. Oh. And so. 
yeah, they still speak English, but like humanity who has survived that is not enslaved by the cyclos, which again, we don't know about yet. Mm. They are, they've like turned into primitive humans. Yes. It's like kind of like Planet of the Apes, but it, not quite that degenerative. If only yeah. the Walking Dead had been there to show really what an apocalyptic society yeah. would look like. Yeah. Because that's where I would think man would go. Like they would hold on to their guns that's for sure and yeah. not all of a sudden grab rocks and pitchforks <laughs> maybe a thousand years is a lot of time they so turn into that. game of thrones tribes is basically mm. what they they're are they're all a bunch of wildlings they're yeah. wildlings yeah. yeah and so i would even say the wildlings are more intuitive and and intelligent in their yeah evolution and uh they're afraid of the gods yes and that's yeah. this is when we get introduced to barry p pepper <laughs> Which what was he in before this? Do you do you Saving Private Ryan? Yes, he was the sniper <gasps> rifle in Saving Private Ryan. He's like, the Lord is my yeah. shepherd. There is yeah. nothing. And boom, take it. Like he You're was right. Cool... He did this before this movie. He did it before this movie. It was a cool character, and he it was, was great. He was in well, throughout the whole film too. Well, that's the yeah. bit of Saving Private Ryan is his calling card, and they're like, this guy's the next great leading man. Oh no, we're oh. gonna give him a lead role. Oh, and this is it. Oh. And then his career never recovers. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know, Lone Ranger. Like, he, but he never he like, never has like the next leading. Eleven role years that, later. Yeah, I know. Also, oh. can can we just say like that guy? He looks like a berry pepper, and he sounds like a berry pepper. Like with that like kind of southern accent he has. Like, doesn't the name berry oh. pepper just fit? Well, maybe not for this movie. Well, he, yeah, he doesn't have the accent in this movie. But We're Johnny Berry something Pepper in or... general, not like Barry Pepper in this movie. Yeah, it's just Barry Pepper in general. Like, it's a name that fits the face. Like, he looks like a Barry Pepper. I'll take your word for it. Stuart looks I, lost. I, mean, I, <laughs> I guess. It's, it's an interesting observation. Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. But what's his name in the movie, Jeff? Uh, Johnny Goodboy Tyler. Um, He is seemingly in love with a woman of this tribe that he's in. Um, but he rejects the hopelessness of the tribe and the fear of the gods. Well, because like, aren't they like like short on food or something, and they don't yeah. they don't go is, outside is that, their gates? Yeah, they don't go outside their gates because there's a dragon that will attack them. Yeah, and oh um, my god, that was the beginning of the movie. And, and yeah, there's the legend of the gods that there's these lights in the sky that they're all the gods hovering over yeah. us, protecting us from the monsters and the demons or whatever. Like very tribalistic yeah. nature. I just don't know where that comes from. There's not even like a ma a big beast that the cyclos used that they're inferring well, on. You the, know what I mean? The dragons from that mini golf course. Where is that yeah. really all that yeah. it is? That's literally that's what it. it is. No. Yep. Yep. They don't go past the mini golf course. And it's like because of this. It's like <laughs> no, that's not. That can't be a it. Putt putt course keeps them from evolving. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, for a thousand any, years, if putt anybody putt else, oh all it took is Johnny Goodboy Tyler to be like, <laughs> maybe I'll stick. If any other person who walked that trail, the dragon came up, and then like, nah, I ain't doing this, and then uh. they live. How many like five hundred years earlier, there might have been somebody who came across that putt putt course. Yeah. And if that had if that person had decided to gone past the dragon like Johnny Goodboy, yes. they would have evolved. You also can't tell me that when this when shit went down on Earth that there wasn't one moron that was like, I'm going as my life's mission now in this post apocalyptic world is to keep this mini golf course opened and trimmed. <laughs> open for business. Open for business that Maybe after a couple of years, they'd be like, oh, he's dead. And now this has become overgrown. And man, we used to go to all this place all the time. 
But now it's evolved into some sort of demon that all of humanity's afraid of. <laughs> They're terrified of this pup pup course. Is that really? That's this pup pup course has kept at least what that they're... tribe back. Yeah, but oh. there's a, there's another tribe that lives within the pup pup course. Yeah, th- then there's the other tribe. So uh, we, John, we, John. we're like twenty, we're like fifteen minutes into this movie at this point. Yeah, um, we've explained like it, the first half of this is incomprehensible. Wait, sorry, I think Johnny is Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> He's going on an adventure. He is Bilbo Baggins. He is Bilbo Baggins, and I guess the mini golf is the smog. Well, this is Lord of the Rings, but better. <laughs> <laughs> As John would say. Because he's As just John. like, bigger and better adventures, and then he leaves the tribe and immediately is immediately running a... the rest of the movie. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. and so he, he comes, a, he goes on this adventure. Um, he... Uh, he stumbles upon a mall. Well, it was like he, a, he, once he gets past the dragon, he encounters another tribe. He encounters these the two guys. Oh, and they're like, I don't know if you could you call it a tribe. I just thought it was like little like hunters guys or whatever. Seemingly the guy's name is Carlo, according to Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah, and according to the back of this limited edition Battlefield Earth action figure you we have next to us, it is Carlo. And he's set up and quote, trapped in the cyclo dome. Carlo <laughs> desperately fights for freedom. <laughs> Exclamation point. Yeah, that's correct. I ordered a, a Turl action figure off of uh, eBay. Yeah, Why well is, worth it. There's just a Why? box of explosives, and he's holding a gun. Why are his hands so big? <laughs> there's so many questions. His hands are so big. <laughs> they are sizable. I want to oh, know. God. I want to know. We're gonna get to the. We're, no, we should wait. We yeah. should wait before we start talking about the design of the cyclos. Yes, we're gonna talk yeah. about the design. We gotta of the get. Cyclos. We gotta get to the cyclos. slide in yeah. the hair ranking while you're at it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. After he gets past the putt-putt dragon. Yes. That's a phrase I never thought I'd say on this podcast. <laughs> After he gets past the putt-putt dragon, he finds these two, like, hunters. Yes. And they're all, like, you know, aggressive towards him. Like, they're yeah. holding spears. And he's, like, I don't know, doing this, like, native, like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Like, ooh, ooh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do it, like, a pl- like, again, a plan of the eight. Yeah. It's like they go halfway with the plan of the eight yeah. generative storyline. Yeah. It's like, ooh, ooh, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's they like speak very clear English. They do. Very they speak very clear English, but then they cut out like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like why are we doing that, guys? Yeah, you know no language. Good. It's no good. You know what to say. You like stop. And these guys are are hostile, and don't they chase him? They, they like... threaten to eat him. Yeah, they threaten. But then for to some eat reason him. they don't, and he joins their party. <laughs> why? Does anybody know why? I still don't know why. I have no I have idea. No idea. No, he says like, oh, and what was it? It was like their conversation was something about like, oh, like, um, I can show you where the gods live or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, what do you mean, like the gods? And he's like, oh, like if you come with me, I will show you where the gods live. And they're like, okay. And then he goes with them. Yeah. <laughs> and then they stroll into a JC Penny. They walk. They walk into uh, an abandoned city. Which, by the way, how many times has Johnny Goodboy, Barry Pepper, bet in like an upper hand position where he loses it by his by no reason. Yes. Yeah. No reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Consistently. Every, Consistently. Every goddamn time. He's the worst hero. <laughs> He's the worst hero. Uh, also, when we get to this mall, this is the first time the movie drops the fact that we're in Colorado. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> is this like, yeah, Denver? In, I, I think this is Boulder because they go Boulder. to Denver. Denver is, where, Denver is where the cyclo, uh, the cyclo city is. <laughs> 
I'm about to go to Colorado this <laughs> week. <laughs> Can I see? Is this your ba- Battlefield Earth pilgrimage? I, well, if there's like any... Ba- like, okay, listeners. We're gonna, I'm going to look up right now. Denver, Colorado, Battlefield Earth no, tour. No, no. Show me. It if was there, all miniatures. This just doesn't If there's exist. any Battlefield or Earth tourism, I'm already like, going to see the Stanley Hotel. So that'll be pretty Ooh. cool. But... Which, by the way, I booked my Airbnb last night, guys. Oh, so it's official. Yeah. I'm really Huzzah. going. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, I want to know if there's any Battlefield Earth tourism attractions in okay, Colorado. Okay, so they filmed all of this movie in uh, in uh, Canada. <laughs> Great. But what's... Is there something in Scientology, Scientology about Colorado? It's about Mormonism and Jacksonville, No, it's about what state looks the most like Canada. <laughs> and they're like what? Colorado, and that would not be Colorado. <laughs> yeah, like we're filming in the oh. mountains of Canada. What looks like that, Colorado? All right. Oh. I I just couldn't get over the fact that the last time we saw this green text font, it was like man's endangered, and all of a sudden Denver, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the shopping mall. <laughs> they're in the shopping mall, and they're walking through, and the other Carlo, I think, is like. You know, this used to be where the gods would live. They had golden arches where food would magically appear, which is a good bit. I like that line. If I was leaning over my shoulder to confirm that I did, in fact, write that down as a line. No, I see talking about McDonald's, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) that's a... Okay, I, I mean, I'm glad you found that funny. No, I <laughs> really do. They kinda... I'm, I'm, when I tell you, I have I have grayed all of this out of my memory outside of Denver, Colorado, and Putt Putt Mini Golf. <laughs> that is all I remember. Well, I I had a random detail. Didn't they eat glass in this scene? I believe they eat some glass. They eat some glass. Oh, he gives him a big shot of glass, and he goes, "It's sharp." And then he puts it in his mouth. He goes, "No, keep it." All right. The guy tries right? to eat glass. Yeah, he tries to eat glass. Johnny tries to eat glass. How stupid are these people? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, jeez. But they, they kind of drop some Scientology in this moment. They're, they kind of explain oh, really? like their version of what happened. It's like, the gods left us because this society became too materialistic. Which, as we learned last week in our Scientology orientation video... Uh, Xenu and enlightenment or whatever the hell it only happens when you drop materialism and uh, commit yourself solely to your spiritual. I will commend the and film they... in one detail only. They're sitting in a mall, like a shopping mall, when he says man has fallen to materialism. Not a bad... Not, not a bad metaphorical thing. No. Um, what hath we wrought? But uh, what was it going to say? Oh, yeah. They preach that thing about materialism on their class five yacht. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Scientology. So, so I'm sorry, but that's got to yeah. be called out right away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that there, that's the subliminal nature of the Scientology elements in this movie. Um, but then, you it's know, they're sprinkled in yeah. their little discussion gets, gets interrupted. interrupted. Oh my God. By what Jeff? A, a green cyclone, followed by a green light that we do not see for the remainder of the movie. Yeah, this is like, and it's like in this mall is only lit by like orange flame, uh, but yeah. then suddenly it all turns green when the cyclone, appears. like overtly like matrix green, amazingly, like uh, like immediately, just boom, green. Yes. Yep. Someone put like the tint slider on a premiere and went green. Yeah, <laughs> all yeah. the way yeah. green with it. I, like I, I think I mentioned to this you to you last night, Jeff, that this the white balance on this movie was on shuffle. <laughs> the green is a side. I, I see it's like a little bit of a character moment for this cyclo, who I thought was going to be John Travolta, mm-hmm. 
and is it's not deeply depressing it isn't it's not him yeah but they do all this like spooky kind of um like you don't see arbitrary the whole shots cyclo. Yeah. yeah you see like these dutch angle close-ups of like the feet mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like you know the the hair and yeah the, yeah. the armor and then it's these wearing. awful phaser guns that yeah. have just some of the worst effects what I've seen. the fuck are these phaser guns yeah. guys so are they stun guns like apparently they are like they stun, stun to kill <laughs> <laughs> there's one set to stun set to stun i literally wrote that down um but, but yeah. like they seemingly shoot projectiles because like it's a thing that goes <laughs> yeah it's a yeah. concussive thing yeah, that like just like makes gun. everyone fly because yeah. you could I, tell that they just had ropes on, like, I remember these, like, set of mannequins that they shot at yeah. or whatever, and they just get swept, like, their feet from under them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not explosive. It's more like it just pushes everything. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I really wanted this to be John Travolta because I'm like, this might be the best entrance for John Travolta. And no, it's just some random guy. <laughs> it's, it's just, just a random, random guy. It's a yeah. random cyclo. Like, one cyclo in this shopping mall. Uh. That is like, hey, we got to get these three guys. He murders one of the hunters and kills John Travolta's horse. I mean, uh, Barry Pepper's horse. Yeah. Barry Pepper goes, no! And then then he and Carlo both get stunned. Yeah, Yeah. there are a lot of slow motion shots. And it's funny because they did shoot in slow motion, like in in like 100 frames or so. And there are some really good shots in that sequence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, really good shot. I would say <laughs> one shot, shot one shot where he's like running through the multiple panes of glass and it's got some matrix level effects going on. I could Lots tell that they glass. I could tell that they experimented with the projectiles and what looked best. Mm, yeah. But then we're we're they match it with the twenty four frame slowing down, which is really just kinda like this blurry chunky. Chunky, yeah, blotchy slow motion. And they pair it right next to this like seemingly really decent slow motion footage. I could not tell why they were doing that. But the, although this is the year 2000, that shit was all over the place. This is one of those movies where you could conceivably probably lop 20 minutes off by making everything the same <laughs> speed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if you were if you were to speed up all the slow-mo shots, it would probably be 20 minutes short, like a crisp hour and a half. That's very true. Um, and then Johnny Goodboy wakes up in like a cage on a spaceship. Yes. That's flying up in the air. Over Colorado. He's being taken to a new destination. To, to the Denver processing facility. <laughs> yes. It's Where this, there's some like Prince of Egypt level of slave labor going yeah, on. It's this yeah. it's this giant glass dome. That's not really a dome. It's like it's very octagonal. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, But it's called shop- the Cyclodome. The Cyclodome. <laughs> Of no connection to the Metrodome or the Doug Dimmodome. <laughs> you know, this movie would have been at least 20% better if they'd gone in there. Bah, 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 and you just see like a bunch of cyclists dribbling, shooting oh hoops and shit. That would have been amazing. <laughs> or if they had just taken camp inside of a football stadium yeah. and decided to keep it like the, the Metrodome. Yeah. They, humans call this the Metrodome. We shall call this. The, the Cyclodome. <laughs> 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 the Metrodome sign just gets ripped off the side and Cyclo is replaced. <laughs> Very hastily, a piece of cardboard with Cyclo written on it. <laughs> so my thing is, they have owned Denver for a thousand years at this point. A thousand they have years. Done nothing to mix it up a little bit. No. It's still got all the busted-ass human buildings. 
Yeah. That, and like their bar is just says bar. Oh <laughs> my know, god, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, we're about to get our what's what's the bar uh, Mo, Mo Eisley? The c- cantina. Yeah, the cantina in Star this Wars. This is the cantina from hell on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh yeah, genuinely. But also, we haven't mentioned yet that there are two types of cyclos. People who Named decided cast to get yeah, and, uh, and, uh, people who could extras. sit in the in the cosmetics chair and people who do that's, not. That's literally what I w- I'm glad you said that because I had the same thought where it's like you know because the first time when they drop the ship and uh, Barry Pepper comes out first off he can't breathe yeah and like none of them can breathe they're like oh my god like I can't breathe and then they put these like nose oxygen things yeah, yeah. that allow you to breathe or whatever. Cool. It's, it's established that the cyclos can't breathe uh, Earth's air. air. Yeah. And the humans can't be, breathe cyclo air. Yeah. Cyclo gas. I cyclo think it's gas. more of a gas. Yeah. yeah. So um, they put on these like oxygen things. And that's when you see like the cyclos in their full yeah. thing. So let's let's talk about the cyclos here. Yes. Their design. <sighs> they are. Very Klingon. Like 10, yeah. 10 feet yeah. tall. Yes. They're like around. around very tall. And they're very obviously wearing lifts because <laughs> yeah. their legs are seven of the ten feet <laughs> and they yeah. all walk very 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 strangely. awkwardly do you ever see a cyclo run in this movie uh-huh. no oh they my god walk, right oh my god you don't yeah they all, they all walk fast they all the... walk fast I, I, there's this shot of, there's actually a head-to-toe shot of uh uh, what's his name? Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, sorry. Forrest Whitaker. And he's literally like dragging his feet. <laughs> he he can't even like keep his shoulders straight because he has to swing his legs from underneath him. And I just go, he can't walk. <laughs> they all walk very plodding. Who did this that they could not walk? And part of me is just like, maybe that's why they shot a lot of this like in mediums. Because <laughs> a head to toe shot is just goofy walk. as shit. Yeah. It's just, goofy. Yeah, they're all like in these full wide shots. They're obviously wearing these like ginormous lifts. Very big boots. Very big boots. So like out of the ten feet of their height, like at least six and a half is just their legs. Yeah, it's waist down. <laughs> all legs, no all waist. All legs, no waist. <laughs> um, then and, and I'm just talking about the first appearance of a cyclo yeah. we see, because we haven't gotten to the Travolta, yeah, um, Whitaker, Whitaker cyclo. Okay, yeah. yeah, not yet. So like their face is like humanoid. Yeah. But it's got a little bit of... It's, it's the Klingon thing where it has, like... Yeah. Like, they're very similar to Klingons down to the dreadlocks. But, like, yeah. they they have, like, you know, the, the crested forehead and... Tilted eyebrows. Tilted eyebrows. Yeah. yeah. It's it's almost dangerously close to a Klingon. It's dangerously close to a Klingon. So this is, like, the, the bastard brother of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have this alien... Tongue. Tongue. Oh, and what you got to find? Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought we were talking about that lady's tongue. Oh, I was. Oh, they do yeah, have an. So they do have an alien tongue. They established lady. one female cyclo in this yes, entire and it movie. It is Kelly Preston, John Travolta's wife. <gasps> no, is it? it is not. Yes. No, it is not. It is. No, it is not. It is. No. <laughs> oh wow. God, I'm looking that. That up. really did me. I'm in. fact checking that. Don't you dare. We're, we're Jeff, don't you <laughs> You hid this from me as we were watching this. Don't too. you dare. I didn't even notice. You didn't even allow me the satisfaction even... of knowing that he roped his wife oh into this movie. Oh my god, he's right. <laughs> oh no. The injustice. There's oh a, there's, there's... god. <laughs> <sighs> I uh... Oh. 
Yeah, this sets me. This, this broke Stuart. This sends oh, me. Because no. then he, he, well, I guess it's better that, it, that it's his that wife. That he sexualizes his own wife. In the right. And, but she's got like this crazy tongue. Yeah, for, she for seemingly licking once, his dick. Twice, uh, yeah. This let's is established. Know. And it's a really bad CGI tongue, too. It yeah. looks like it falls out of her mouth. <laughs> oh, Kelly Breston. That broke me a little bit. Uh, fuck. Where are we? Oh, yeah. The first look <laughs> at a, <laughs> at a Klingon. We haven't even gotten to John Travolta no. yet. <laughs> so, like, this is going to carry into the hair ranking. Yeah. But the yeah. alien dreadlocks. Yeah. Let's cue the hair ranking music. <laughs> Welcome to the hair ranking. Um, Do we have the info on the budget of artificial hair used in this movie? I would say 20% of the budget. Yeah, easily. Was hair. Those headpieces are huge. Um, I'm just, I'm looking through like photos of like John Travolta with his hair. And folks. Oh, it's burned into my brain. I do not need a photo <laughs> reference. Like. Well, first off, like he has like a prosthetic head extension. Yes. Yeah. And then they put the hair over that like head extension. So it's like he looks like a lion, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he has like a mane practically. <laughs> and then with the long hair. Still with like basically like a human sized beard, but then like a bottom portion of it like falls off like yeah. is really long. Like it's not like he his full neck face. beard. Like he has a long neck beard, but he doesn't have like he has a, like a little goatee. Yeah, but he doesn't it have is. like like in terms of his face and his cheeks and his lip, like that's not long. Yeah, like that one, like that's like trim, like it's like trimmed uh, facial hair. So it, like, look at this, like you see, like how like this is yeah. all trimmed up, but then he's got the weird <laughs> neck beard shit going on. You're right. These cyclos shave. These cyclos shave, <laughs> and I imagine they use, uh, you know. Gillette or whatever, but yeah, so so the hair in this is an abomination. Yeah. <laughs> and that is putting it in the best possible way. Um if this doesn't go to the very bottom, I'll be very surprised. What do you think? I I need I need I need a second to like just explain the audience let me have a donut here (laughs) i think we've broken stewart (laughs) all right so (laughs) he looks like a lion (laughs) his beard is like halfway between trimmed and growing out he's got the prop head extensions bullshit going on yeah it just makes him look big Like, you know, like we talk about... He's sizable. Yeah, he's very sizable. (laughs) Like, there isn't, like, an isolated head of John Travolta. It's, like, it's all attached to, like... He's got, like, six inches of hair to his right and left, five inches of head and hair up on top, and then he's got the beard that goes down. Plus, you count the armor that accentuates his look. Like, he just looks... Like when they Big. shoot him, he fills the frame. Yes, and I don't. That's not necessarily a stylistic choice. Just hard to frame without him and being like, the majority of the shot. Yeah. Again, to go back, I, I'm no. I'm extending this hair ranking out a little bit, and 
I'm talking a little bit more than just the hair, but like what obviously what confused me a lot was what you just said, Becca. How like yeah, there are people who clearly were in the prosthetic makeup chair yeah. for their look, and then ones who did not. Like why are half not even half? I would say like seventy five percent are in facial prosthetics, and then yeah. Forrest Whitaker and John Travolta. It's like are, the, are they the wanted the aliens to look like aliens, but they're like you know. John and Forrest that got to have that that face recognition on the poster. And there really isn't a consistency because there's that like really like gobbly neck guy. Yeah, they all look different. They do. Yeah. It's a diverse cyclo race. <laughs> so let, let's see the hair ranking. Let's see the list. Let's see it. Um, Put it below the experts. It's going at the very bottom. It's at the very bottom. bottom. It's going at the very bottom. We have a new loser, folks. Uh, Battlefield Earth is the worst hair style I have ever seen. Arguably in film, maybe? Uh, In film, yeah, maybe. I've only done a lot of hair, extensive hair rankings on Travolta. Yeah. When we get to our You, Me, and Sir Ian McKellen podcast, I'll rank the Ian McKellen hair, but his hair is usually Charles. pretty good. Yeah, offhand, I can't, I can't think of a worse. I mean, this, this is this is like it's it's the Klingon. Like that's at least flowy. Very bottom of the list. Yes. Very bottom of the list. Uh, John Travolta's um, Battlefield Earth hair, and I don't foresee a future movie where it gets toppled. So I think it yeah. will be permanently. Yeah, I think we I have. Think a, I, I think we have a new winner. Can you lock that column? That we <laughs> can, can you lock, lock that column? Battlefield Earth as the worst, the worst hair. The fanatic mm-hmm. has to be close. It, it <laughs> when will, we get, when it we will get to not that go below Battlefield Earth. Okay. <laughs> it will not. Right, so, and oh. that is the hair ranking for Battlefield right. Earth. And um, I we, I guess that's also kind of my sum up of the Cyclos yeah. design. Yeah. Is they are big, tall. Some of them ugly. look different. A lot of them look ugly. A lot of them look like John Travolta. At the end of the day, it's just a poor design. It's a, it's a very, very poor bad design. design. Yeah. It's a very bad design. They don't design. look cool in any Because there are ugly well, aliens, like, you know, that in, look in a cool. human standard that look like we don't just like, oh, I just, I can't they, look at They this. look like the bastard child of a Klingon and Bib Fortuna. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's with their hobbit hands? They have big hands. They have big hairy hands. Yeah, <laughs> the hands bother me the least. It's the they big feet. It's the, the it's the big <laughs> it's the big feet that do it for me. Yeah, you can tell that they had to very they had to use head to toe shots very sparingly. Because mm. the they're they're all like boom. boom. I'd like to think that if they were not shooting their feet, they did not have those stilts on, so they could actually walk. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hope they all have the stilts. So where are we at in the movie at this okay. point? So let's just let's get right into uh, John Travolta. Yeah. Because Barry Pepper, he gets assimilated into the prison. Yeah. And he meet, oh, first he has his Jesus moment. Which is? Where like, there's this guy's like, let me show you how it is around you. I eat first, then my guys eat, and then everyone else eats. And then Barry Pepper punches him in the face and says, no, we all eat at the same time. And he grabs like a slop of food and some woman eats out of his hand. Oh my God. Because uh, he's becoming like the the messiah or something. Yeah, it's it's the bread and fish. Pizza. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. So that happens, and then we're introduced to what a, what a lovely like piece of sludge though. It was awful. I wanted. It looks like vomit. I wanted to vomit. It's yeah. it was awful. It was apparently made out of like mashed peas and corn. <laughs> I took it very eagerly. 
<laughs> yeah, honestly, kudos to that extra who, I don't know, out of the entire group walked from the back of the room to grab a handful of the sludge and she just immediately gobbles it. So, But then walks out free. So, Turl, played by John Travolta, or Turrell, as some people say, is the head of security. He's the ch- security chief of the Denver, Colorado Earth Operation. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Where they're mining for gold. Okay. They're hooting and hollering, mining for gold, old prospectors. Okay. So, a couple things with that. They, they, they prop them. Like, are there more cyclo base of operations on Earth? No, that is the thing that's really confusing. Is this the only one? This is the only one on Earth? They've been here for a thousand years. They've they're been, only mining Denver. They're, but, like, but they're mining for gold, but only in one spot. Mm-hmm. That is seemingly the case. And John Travolta is the chief of security there. Yes. But Earth is not their only colony where yes, they're mining They have stuff. many colonies. So he's the chief of security of one of many co- mining colonies. Yes. Okay. And uh, he wants a promotion from home office. So, okay. Let's All talk about the cycle hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the cycle hierarchy. So they're an alien race. It's seemingly a capital, like, it's, it's like it's a. It's hyper capitalist. Hyper capitalist. Yeah. Um, All about profits and greed. Their government is home office. Home office. Home office. Played by Steve Carell. No, <laughs> <laughs> no they're, they're, they're home planet of Cyclo, because they're Cyclos from the planet Cyclo. Um, and they speak the language Cyclo. And they, see, and they speak Cyclo. And what kind of food do they eat? Cyclo. Cyclo food. <laughs> in the but, Cyclodome? In the Cyclodome. <laughs> but this is awful. Their government is their 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 government is home office. And they operate on like a promotion basis. Um and also just like poor wages. It's it's like sla- it's like capital slave labor, essentially. Um, and we're all hearing them in English, by the way. Yes, we're all we're here this movie Hunt for Red October's us. Yeah. It- we're, the the prosthetic faced cyclos mm-hmm. are all like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then John Travolta comes in and goes, "Who is this man?" <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it throws me off. I even wrote a note that says, "JT is not even attempting an alien tomber." <laughs> like, is this the Disney dilemma where like some animals are sentient and yeah. some are not? Like, oh my god. The, the thing is, this movie tries to do the Hunt for Red October thing, but it doesn't set it up. Like until halfway through the movie, when you've already heard them talking for forty That's fucking so true. minutes. <laughs> I did not infer that Johnny could not understand the cyclos. Right. Yeah. I never had that thought cross my mind until he matrixed himself into the cyclo. Like for forty minutes, the best you can understand is like the cyclos. Some of them speak and some of them speak English. Halfway through the movie, they finally establish. Oh no! When we're with the cyclos, we're just hearing them in English, as if it was translated. Yeah. Hunt for Red October. Yeah, Hunt You're for so Red right. October. You're so they, right. they, they're trying to do the fucking open chapter. They don't do it until an hour into the movie, establishing the whole time. I'm like, oh, this is what has been going on. Yeah, but, they have not been speaking English, mm-hmm. but uh, if you, until that point, like we just think they speak English. Yes. Yeah. And so they're speaking English, but not only are they speaking English, they have a very anthropological hierarchy. Yeah. Like this uh, is my big beef with aliens. Just in general. Yes. It's just how much we anthropomorph anthropomorphize? Anthropomorphize, I think is the anthropomorphize? Yes. I think so. That's wow. the term. Uh 
just having eyeballs is like very much i mean i guess like animals also have eyeballs it's very but like human the limb thing. thing it's a very earth like, thing it's a very earth thing yeah wouldn't it be more scientology like if they were more of like a like an annihilation level alien where it's really just like a a form yeah like that my impression of scientology is like really this like complex thing versus well, whatever the fuck this the, is the idea of scientology is that every planet was seeded essentially by the same race or same xenu uh, so we there would we would all look the same, yeah. essentially. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Okay, well, and 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 support. So here's a phrase I'll never say. In support of the Scientology lore, I shall question no more. <laughs> <laughs> Why they all look pretty close to humans then? Except they just like we're gonna make them three feet taller, have yeah. bigger hands, mm. and weird ass hair. Yeah. Oh, mm. and some of them are gonna look different. Yeah. <laughs> but we're talking know. about a better alien invasion movie. The alien design in Independence Day is really good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. But like the the idea to go back to the Scientology of it all. Um, is that the cyclos are the antithesis of, you know, Dianetics and Elrond Hubbard's teachings and that they are purely a materialist society. Yeah. They only care about promotions yeah. and whatnot. They're, again, very earth human like yes. but again yeah. i'll keep oh, but like turl wants to have like some sort of high rise on cyclo and he goes yeah. you know i'm gonna retire and go away with all my millions of and my five wives <laughs> yeah my five wives maybe one of them will be beautiful oh, he God. did ask like he wants a promotion so he can go back to cyclo and like live in an apartment <laughs> it's basically his motivation in this movie and they don't even sugarcoat it as like oh i want to have some sort of insert alien you know, commodity here. Like yeah. he's just like, I want to have a nice house. <laughs> he literally wants an apartment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he does not. He his superior teleports in from Cyclo because they teleport. <laughs> this sort of they diplomat. Teleport. This diplomat shows up. They have spaceships, but they teleport and, and has yeah. dinner with the uh, Turl and his deputy Kerr, played by Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Uh, who the first IMDb trivia fact for this movie is, and I quote. Forrest Whitaker expressed his regret for participating in this movie. <laughs> oh, um, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Do you think Forrest and Travolta are still friends? Uh, I, I wouldn't. I would. I not. think if I was like, you know, listen, Jeff, we're we're best friends, right? Like, yeah. If you said, Stu, let's do this movie together, and I'm like, we already did one, and like, you know, it was okay. Phenomenon. It was pretty good. Like you're right, you're right. Okay, let's do something. What is oh, it? Oh, is he in Phenomenon? Yeah, him and Forrest oh. Whitaker in Phenomenon. It's like you know they're getting back to work yeah. together again, right? And he says like, "Hey, Forrest, and you're like, what's up, John? I worked on Phenomenon. It was a great experience, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was a good experience. Well, do I have a script <laughs> for you? And he's like, "What is it, man? It's like, well, I don't know if you remember, like on day thirty nine of Phenomenon, we had that lunch break and we were hanging out in my trailer and I showed you that battlefield." Oh, right. It's like, well, I got the funding. <laughs> Come on Forrest now. Whitaker is trying to reflect on every conversation where he told John he should pursue his dreams. And he's just like, no. <laughs> Why did I do this? And what like, happened? Oh, and I want you to play the bad guy's sidekick. <laughs> the punching bag of this. <laughs> the punching bag really of this. Is. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, Justice uh, for Kerr. Big takeaway I get from this though, is that Forrest Whitaker really likes wearing big prosthetic suits because he does a, a very similar oh, yeah. suit in Rogue One. In Rogue One. This was <laughs> a practice Saul round. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Lies! Deceptions! Every day! <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
He does Go not. <laughs> Can, okay, so when this diplomat or this government dude Can, shows up. Is that you? I can't. I can't. Please stop. <laughs> when he comes in, all of a sudden, John Travolta is like, Ah, yes. Welcome to my abode. <laughs> he like starts talking in this strange way, and he does it throughout the film at random. But this is the first time he goes from like, "Ha, let's get this puny yeah. human into a cage," and he goes back, "Ah, hello." Yeah, he throws welcome. in like a British accent when he's uh... like some sort of high end. Now we run no longer. <laughs> it's so strange, and I even like I asked you to pause it and go like, "What the fuck is he talking? Like, yeah. why is he talking like that?" He, he, like, and says normally, John Travolta, I am him, like, voice. But then he's like, oh, yes, welcome to Earth, your magistrate. Yeah, and they're having this conversation that obviously the diplomat is just going to be like, no, you're actually going to do 50 cycles. <laughs> um, and Earth, this whole time yeah. they have, like, this passive-aggressive kind of, and maybe the, the like, hoity-toity talk works for that, but I just could not understand. And he, like I said, he does it throughout the film when he's, like, talking about his plans to do with the human, the plans that shift every 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just like, yes, and then the humans will mine for us in Boulder. <laughs> It's so weird. The, the, and this is like where we haven't really talked about the acting in this movie. But I think <laughs> this really is a haven't. great scene. What acting? I think this is a great <laughs> scene to like highlight how how amazing everybody is. <laughs> Nobody is without sin in this movie. Yeah. And yeah. here's the thing. I, I said this to you guys last night. Like, you know, we've watched some pretty bad John Travolta movies. And a lot of those, it's like they're bad just because like, you know, they're either not original or like they don't know what kind of movie they are for some directors. And oftentimes like John Travolta is putting his all on those movies. Like he's, he's usually not the problem. Yeah. John Travolta is Is, very much the problem. He is the problem. He is down to production, to screenwriting, to directing, to acting, to (laughs) acting. Because again, we just talked about the, Oh Yes. My liege. Yeah. And he like literally how he talks that way. Yeah. But then like the scene where. Half lo- of his dialogue is him laughing maniacally. Yeah. Okay. L- there's like a scene. Uh, In the cantina from hell. Yes. Where he's like, oh, like you won't tell them about um, my little thing or what. Like the bartender's doing something illegal yeah. or something. Oh Bar- my God. And no. he's like, oh no. I, 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 I'll. Don't worry, friend. I will not file the report. It's like, oh, thank you. Because I already have. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Is it- what is this? He does it too yeah. with the bartender, but he's just like, perhaps you saw, this is the very end yeah. of the movie, but he's doing that weird voice again. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, perhaps you told someone about my plans. And Forrest Whitaker is just like, nah, dude, I didn't do anything. And he goes, well, maybe you'll talk to Pulls out the head of the bartender. The bartender! <laughs> he literally says, the barkeep, or something like that. And there's a, a, a scene later in the movie where like it's like uh, John, John Travolta and Barry Pepper, and he's like threatening to kill one of his friends. He's like, no, 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 please, like don't kill him, don't kill him. He's like, all right, just this once, I won't kill him. And there's a lot do. of time that we and, simmer in that moment. And then he hands the gun to Forrest Whitaker, and he's like, what are you doing? It's like, I said I wouldn't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that happens again in the bartender scene at the yes. beginning. Because he, after he says, like, I've already filed. <laughs> he's like, the bartender's like, you wouldn't have done that to your friend. And he's like, no, I wouldn't. 
Because I'm not your <laughs> friend! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this happens like five times in the Super Bowl. He does this lot. I would say 25 times in the That's Super Bowl. That's because does Turl is evil. <laughs> He's so. so Dur- during oh this this God. during this dinner Josh scene, is a bad actor in this movie. He's all yeah. really Dur- During the scene where he's like he's meeting with the home office people and having dinner with them, uh, this is when Becca uh, looked over to me and said, "Jeff, end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this has just, to end. This has to stop." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, "Thirty more episodes, baby. <laughs> Thirty more episodes." Uh. <laughs> Um, but this is when he's told he's not getting the promotion due to, as the Wikipedia synopsis says, unexplained incidents involving, quote, the senator's daughter. <laughs> yeah, uh, because he was like, wow. the senator sends his. Uh, he's like, well, I spoke to the senator and he agrees that you should stay for another 50 cycles. <laughs> and we <then they>, <laughs> all do the laughter at John. And then like and then it cuts to a different scene where he's walking where Travolta is like walking with him out. And he's like, I didn't know that was his daughter. Like, <laughs> oh my god! I guess I'd never even because I just like, oh, Turl's a bad guy. I want him to suffer. So I was just like, I don't even care what he did. But yeah, fifty yeah. more cycles. Fuck you. Uh, but then he's just like Seinfeld level. But don't don't. Well, I didn't know that was her daughter. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> punchline sinker. The rest of the movie goes. So yeah, John Turl goes and gets drunk. <laughs> Because he feels bad. And what's How the name this... of their drink? Oh, find that out right now. <laughs> Do you know? He's like uh, one carry monger on the house, uh. <laughs> and dead ass this boy, this, this barkeep loads a beaker. A beaker? It was they're literal beakers. They are. Beakers. It is called Kerbango. Kerbango. <laughs> I found website? a Battlefield Earth drinking game that says uh, Kerbango. <laughs> Drink when anyone says man animal, anyone says leverage, the cyclos laugh, there's a center wipe. Extreme version, <laughs> add cyclo for an additional 20 plus drinks. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about the wipes. Because the pretty much the only blockbuster franchise that successfully pulled off using wipe transitions yeah. is Star Wars. Yeah, It's the only one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is the only one. It is very notably the only one that's managed to pull it off. And it made it part of the texture of those movies, mm-hmm. which is why it works. Is like you expect it. And there's some very fun wipes in those movies. For some reason, they're like, a Battlefield Earth can do the same. But they only use one wipe transition. There's no variety. And it's so it's slow. Like, it's the center wipe. It's so it's slow. Because my fa- one of my favorites is in one of the prequels. I can't remember what. It cuts to the Senate Dome. Which is just like a big dome. And it uses the clock transition where it goes like that for the dome. Yeah, like a half moon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie is just center wipe. Very slow. Ouch. There's only one and, time where I thought it worked kind of well because John Travolta's face was on the right side of the frame. And then it went to Cyclo and his head was replaced with Cyclo on mm-hmm. the right side of the frame. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. We've accomplished on. one good one good edit, folks. And it's so slow. It's so slow. If it was much faster, I probably wouldn't have had a problem with it. <laughs> Besides it being goofy as hell. So, Turl, Kerr comes up with an idea. Uh, no, Turl comes up with the idea initially. That the place where they can hunt for, where they can mine for gold, is the only place they haven't gone yet. And that's areas of high radioactivity. Because radioactivity is uh, dangerous to them. 
it would kill the cyclos. It like reacts with their breathing gas or something. Oh right. And why do they need to mine the gold? Well, because they they that it's they never mine... established why they why they need yeah. gold. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but it's they need an gold. Earth valuable item. Yeah. It's not necessarily an extraterrestrial valuable. Yeah, item. And, but they're like they're operating at a loss for profits, <laughs> I guess, because <laughs> they're paying home their office, workers man. too much. Because they're paying their workers too much, right? So home office wants to cut wages and increase productivity, and that's when... not that, these cycles need to unionize. <laughs> that's what needs to happen. Well, yeah. and like that, that's when John Travolta says. Well, man, animals like to work. <laughs> He's like, we don't have to pay them, and you don't Home have to Office pay says, man no, that is against the edict. It's then like, why are there hundreds of slaves just outside their door? Like, what are they using the slaves like, for? It's never hammering shown. walls. They just walk around the ruins of Denver, being whipped. <laughs> they don't use them for anything. Yeah, they're like dragging rocks and shit. <laughs> That's it. it. They've been here for a thousand years, and they're just beginning cleanup operations, seemingly. It does look like they're yeah. just cleaning up. Yeah. At some point, there are literally two man animals just hammering a ceiling tile <laughs> with these big sledgehammers. And they're unexplainable is, what they're actually doing. These movies to make do. no sense. <laughs> None at all. But So, him and Tur. Kerr. Kerr? Kerr decide well, what if we create a proof of concept operation <laughs> where we make man animals and we don't tell home office? We pocket the gold, and then if it works out well, we can show we can make this like the new system, and we can get a lot of gold for ourselves. Right, because the man can hunt in areas of high radioactivity where we can't. So this is, is that really what's going on? I just According to the Wikipedia synopsis, <laughs> that is the plot of this movie. Okay, there's like forty minutes of this movie. It's just Turl and Kerr being like, "What if we use the mad animals to mine?" Ha ha ah. ha. And then Kerr's like, it is my idea. And John was like, no, it's my idea. Ha, ha, ha. But then he records him saying that it was his idea. Yeah. So he can pin him as a patsy. Yeah, he, rec case. he records a video. They're of constantly Forrest backstabbing Whit each other. Yeah. yeah. And Forrest Whitaker's like, oh, I can't believe I, I, you, I let you get me like that. And he's like, yes, it's all. Never do a crime unless you have a patsy. Ha, ha, ha. Like, but do you think I, I'd backstab you? It's like, it doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> This is just verbal garbage. It's yeah. pure Nothing. nonsense. So they so, got to study humans. So they got to study humans. So they they hide a bunch of cameras in their their like cells. You know they they let Johnny go. Isn't We're that talking the bit? button cams. Button here. cams. This, hey. this is when I'm, this is when the movie completely loses me. I wrote. I have yeah. no idea what's happening. Well, because I remember this very clearly. Where it's like we need to find leverage on them. What can we leverage? Well, man animals need food. Yeah. Let's let them go and see what food yeah. they like. And then they like let the three guys go. And they have button cams, and the first thing they find is a rat. And they're like, "Oh, they must really love rats." This scene was so incomprehensibly stupid. Well, they're eating it raw. The, yeah. The, the thing that's incomprehensible about the sequence is there's like four different back and forths of they let Johnny go, they bring him back, they, they let, let him go, go again, they bring arrest him, back. him again. There is a I, lot of that. There's a lot to the extent that I had no idea what I thought there were like time jumps. I wasn't sure yeah. what was happening. But I also wrote down like they've been on the planet for a thousand years. Yes. They've known humans for a thousand years and they don't know what they eat. <laughs> they don't know that they don't know how to fly. No. What is this study? Pearl seemingly knows where all of human knowledge is kept because he flies them to a library later. Yeah, Library of but, Congress. <laughs> but he doesn't know that they eat. Like what they eat, <laughs> aside from rat. but aren't there basins of like oatmeal and like 
The cages? Slide to the fucking abandoned Quaker Oats factory. You'll find some stuff there, Turl. It's, it's so weird. It wastes so much time on this. Because so it goes nowhere. They don't use the food as leverage. They don't use any of this. Mm, no. So they, they select Johnny as the, the head of the, the mining operation that they're going to... I This is incomprehensible to speak. Yeah. And so they, they take him and they put him into like a, a learning room. Oh, and wait, 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 we jumped. I feel like we, we jump? jumped. There's something lot. in between. There is something in between. I just don't know what. Well, like he tries to escape many times and like yeah. he kills one of the cyclos. Yes. And oh, I remember this scene because it's so fucking dumb. <laughs> so Johnny Goodboy steals one of the guns and kills one of the cyclos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like they, they, they. They get the gun back from him and they oh like you know God. arrest him and then Travolta walks. He's like, "What is happening here? What happened to this?" It's like a man animal killed him. It's like a man animal oh. killing a cyclo. That'll be the day. <laughs> and then he goes, "Hand him the gun and hand see." Hand him the gun. <laughs> what is him. this? It's they hand him the gun and they hand him the gun. And what is he kills Harry another Potter. one? He kills another one. He's like, "Oh, <laughs> I guess he did." <laughs> What you are an interesting specimen, like the fact that this piggybacks off of the the they eat rats raw to hand them the gun. Oh no! Like these scenes in a package deal, I think summarize Battlefielder are and this just movie. how yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, the battle sequence, <laughs> the last battle sequence. <laughs> yeah, this movie's called Battlefield. There's a significant lack of battlefield, and it only takes place in Denver, Colorado. Well, just <laughs> as the trailers, and and at some point, multiple times throughout the movie, man can't even fight for nine minutes. Yeah, like why is yep. where does yeah. that nine minutes? It's come established from? that the cyclos took over Earth in nine minutes. Oh. Well, that's it was the Library of Congress scene because he like shows him the, the knowledge around. He was like, you know, uh, all of the technology that your ancestors had, and it only took us nine minutes to take control of Earth. Yes, because yeah, when does that happen? Once they select Johnny as the the specimen, yeah. they Turl's like, we're you must learn, you must learn your history, and you must learn my history, so you can lead your people. He's already training this guy to Be to rebel, yeah. yeah, to rebel. Um, which is a bad idea. Yeah, how is this advantageous to him for him to be like, I need to learn the human's ways. Now you need to learn our ways. What does that do? It first starts off with like, he wants him to learn the cyclo language so he can talk to him. Yeah. Oh. That was like the initial yeah. thing. So, so he puts him in the learning room. I don't talk about this learning room. I feel like room. Did, we're jumping, but I... I honestly feel like it's fine. I don't know. Yeah. What, I, it's, it's like it's like twenty minutes of business. It's, it's like, like well, not it's not business. It's no, it's rubbish. business. Like oh. literal business <laughs> occurring. It's Luke Travolta meeting with his superiors and being like, "Now I run the mining operations." <laughs> yeah, I am losing track. Home office must never know. <laughs> All right, so learning center. No, yeah, so he puts him in center. a learning center. He, he like straps him in this chair. And the most insane possible thing happens. A CGI hologram oh. of this alien pops up. He sounds like Eeyore. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Hi, I am from another planet. The Cyclos took over my people. I am probably dead when you are watching this, but I was contracted to make this educational video. <laughs> And he's like, I will put all of the knowledge of the cyclo into your brain. Yeah, that <laughs> the was... The hologram disappears. Incom insane. No context. And then 
They start like Irina Spalcoing knowledge right into his fucking eyeballs. <laughs> Why? Well, first question. What was the whole point of the alien? Yeah. <laughs> what was he? He's like, what you want? It's like the Severus Snape thing from Harry Potter, Half of the Prince. It's like, I shall attempt to penetrate your mind. Yeah. You shall attempt to resist. <laughs> Prepare yourself. Except this fucking alien would be like, I will put knowledge in your head. <laughs> and they just start, start fucking zapping it right through his eyeballs. And he's like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> And they pull him away. And he now understands like, Cyclops. He's like, more you hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he walks in, he's like, do you understand me? <laughs> my God, Stuart. That's exactly oh what happens. Uh, we, we need a, a Stuart does the sound effects for the learning room scene. Oh, my God! Yeah, and this is easily. And he tries to have a rat way. in his mouth too. Dur- right? Doesn't he do that? Yeah. Oh. He brings a rat into the room. And he's like, "Eat the rat, you <laughs> eat the rat." Do you understand me? No, it doesn't work. And then he turns. <laughs> <laughs> he goes. <laughs> the machine says. <laughs> There's, there's also like after the learning room there's actually like a bunch of like humans enter the room somehow i don't know where they come yeah, from all these humans show up and they're like you're becoming too close with the cycle he's like i must learn and he goes he's like back turn in. it back on well, yeah no, they don't turn it off they like get him out of the beam yeah they get him out of the beam and he's like what's happening he's like, it's like a machine that like teaches you their knowledge it's a bunch of numbers and math it's like i need to know more it's up my it's our way to defeat them so he puts his line of sight back into the yeah. beam. He's like, <laughs> and the dudes are just like, "Whoa, leave the room." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I wrote down. I'm like, I just keep shouting, "Who is this people? Who are? Who is this guy? Who is this all person?" These, there's all these characters who keep popping up. I have no idea who any of them are. They no. will have an emotional send off of Turl shooting them straight in the face, and everyone will have the slow motion. No, and I'm like, "Who is this person? <laughs> I have no this idea. Is who the this first is. time I've seen them." Yeah. So. Um, after he learns psycho knowledge, Turl takes him to human knowledge. At first, he takes him to the official library of Boulder, Colorado, <laughs> where he yeah. reads the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> 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 it's very dramatic. Scene. We're getting like the national treasure. It's like, dur, 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 dur. And he walks up and he pulls the fucking Declaration of Independence off. And he's the like, seated up. Yes. Honestly, <laughs> he's it like, was. It was this big book, and I thought, oh, my God, he's right. He's going to read. Dianetics. I That's thought that what was thought. what was about to happen. That's what I thought. I wrote in big letters, not me forgetting this is a Scientology movie. <laughs> but then he opens up. The font goes, in the Declaration of in Congress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and then I think there's a chime, time jump because... It's like it's yes, established there you read is. the whole library. It <laughs> no, really it's does. Not. It's it feels that way. It, it feels it, that it's way. It's a time jump. I'm, and Terrell's like, Did you find what you were looking for? And he says, Yes. <laughs> I read the whole fucking library. <laughs> How long did he leave him there for? Yeah. I, did he have food, water, rats? <laughs> he just threw him in a big library. There's a little bit it feels like a time jump because they kind of fade in and he's now reading a different book and Terrell just enters the scene. All right, let's go. <laughs> Nothing else. And, like okay. He didn't did discover we get, like did we get the, the flight ways simulator that... next. Is that no? I want to go to the flight simulator. 
Turtle is the worst security. He's training this guy. He's training this human how to so much how to take over the fucking planet. He's literally teaching this guy how to speak cyclo, how to fly a, a warship, and what the history of his species was. So he's inspired. Literally, okay. Tangent. There's a direction this movie could have gone where it yeah. would have been great. And that is, it's like, Turl had a redemption arc. <laughs> but no! But no! <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just a dumbass! Like, you know what I mean? Genuinely dumbass. You know what I mean? It's just like, it would have been like, like if if this was like Turl, like John Travolta Turl, like growing like a fondness for humans and like realizing the error of the ways of Cyclos and as he's training this like human... He's like growing an attachment, like a father figure, like yeah. attachment to Johnny Good Boy. And then Forrest Whitaker sort of like, oh, he's stepped afar from the plan. I yeah. must now take control. Yeah. And it's like, you guys get out. I'll hold him off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. could have easily become yeah. that. But yeah, Forrest Whitaker's that person in the end. Right. And Wait, as this of- action figure says, Chief of Security Turl despises everything human and works to everything human and works to imprison each one he sees. <laughs> with I, a bunch I, of bars I have, of some, gold I have some some knowledge about the toy line that we'll get into at the end of this. At the very oh, end, gosh. because yeah, there is no redemption arc. He's just like doing all these things for no reason. To to quote one of the best lines in the movie, uh, "Attention, all cyclos! Exterminate all humans on sight! <laughs> Open fire!" <laughs> And then they all casually walked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they can't run. They can't run. <laughs> because the f- they do not run. Okay. Oh, my God. So I think after this, there's the flight simulator. I, this is, is the there... alien flight simulator. Yes. Because there's two flight There's two flight simulators <laughs> there are in this flight <laughs> So it's the alien flight simulator. He's training how to fly one of the cycler ships. This is genuinely where I do and, not And remember. it's like a buddy cop scene. It's like... That's literally it, what it's I thought. Johnny and Terrell, and they're in the thing, and Terrell's like, if you crash the simulator again, I shall kill you. <laughs> well, and then I, I just... I wanted the scene to end with, like, you know, it being getting, like, really intense and, like, all, like, the suspenseful music. Is he going to succeed? Is, is he going to succeed? And eventually he does. And then it's like, oh, we did it, yeah! And then he <laughs> looks over, and they, like, <laughs> look into each other's eyes longingly. And they realize they're touching hands. <laughs> <laughs> Look into my eyes. <laughs> Literally turns into a gay love story between Turl and Johnny Goodboy. Still a better movie. Oh, it would have been a much better movie. <sighs> oh, my Alas. God. It's not, not the case. Did not go that way. No. Because oh we still don't really fundamentally know why he's teaching him all these things and how that gets him closer to his goal of more gold and more prowess. Yeah, he's going to just drop all these humans off at the mining site and been like, dig it up or I'll vaporize you. Do it. Which he kind of does. Eventually. Eventually he does just do that. (laughs) And this whole time, this whole time, Johnny keeps being like, no, we need to learn their ways. Blah, blah, blah. That's great. And then he like kind of does that hmm. and then he goes back and he goes no we because at some point they're in a cave yeah. with the more wild people what do they talk about because that's when i turn to you and i'm like they're shifting their gears again like you, you know what the plot of this movie is at oh the, end? the whole the whole like we need to like steal the gold bars instead of actually mining yeah. it how do we get there how do we okay. get there so this this movie is essentially the plot line from the life of brian where the romans end up like with brian writes like uh fuck the romans on 
the um, pilot's palace. And the room's like, well, you spelled it incorrectly, so you have to write it a hundred times to prove it. And he, they just like end up causing a revolution. It's the serious interpretation of that scene from that movie. Where they just where Turtle's like, I'm going to teach you how to revolt, and then I'll just drop you off and say, dig up some gold. Yeah. I don't know why we have this 30-minute sequence of him teaching him how to be a cyclone. It's a long one, and at least Johnny's taking yeah. advantage of it. And so he, they drop all the humans off, um, and they're like, dig for gold, and they leave him one ship. And that's why I taught him how it flies. Like, so you can transport it. Oh, I remember. Johnny takes a ship, he flies it to Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> he lands at the Library of Congress. Uh, seemingly probably reads the Constitution while he's at it. Uh, but he discovers locations of every U.S. military base. Also, there again, there's still electricity in yeah. all these buildings. Yeah. Now, Forget how thousands of years... Like are there is so, are there fuels still like there? Like, and he learns like all the gold is held in Fort Knox. And here's the thing. The psychos have been here for a thousand years. They had access to all this information. Well, can they read? I presume they would have figured out how to do it at some point. Yeah. And yet, uh, it takes this one guy flying to live archives and be like, yeah, there's like a lot of gold at Fort Knox. We and can some just, nuclear weapons. We can, and some nukes. We can just use that instead of digging this hole. <laughs> so that, also, They shift gears uh, again. There's a, a shift. Planet-sized nuke. Yes. They create a fake mining operation basically while they just transport the Fort Knox stuff. Meanwhile, back in Denver, Turl like uh blackmails his boss and is like and the guy's like, so if I don't give you this power, you'll kill me. But if I do, I'll just be a puppet. And Turl's like, yes! Ha 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 and that's uh, that's uh, that. That's the last scene we get with that guy. Yeah, it's the last time we see that guy. <laughs> yeah, because now upset, now Turtle's but... in charge apparently. But then uh, Forrest Whitaker tries to blackmail him. Was he ever him. not in charge though? No. <laughs> it's yeah. Never... At this one, Forrest Whitaker tries to blackmail him, and he shoots his hand off. Is that this bit? Yeah. Is Forrest it? Whitaker attempts to blackmail. No, this is that where, was after the gold bars. This, this is, is where it gets like, a little bit phasey for yeah. me. Because I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? happening? Eventually, where things start getting clear again in my memory is like the actual battle scene. Everything up until that point, I'm like, what's happening? There's like a neck collar that's going to blow a head off at some oh. point. Mm. Yeah, he like um, somehow gets his love. Yeah, he gets his like I don't gr- know where she girlfriend came or from. whatever. He's yeah. like, oh, oh Damn's I, in distress. the way how he found her, it's like, well, I know, uh, how do you say Didn't it? Didn't you say she stumbled? No, it's like, good thing she's good at drawing, and then he lifts up a drawing of him. <laughs> or maybe it's the other way around, that he found a, a drawing of his that was a drawing like of her. I don't know. Like, if for some at reason, some point they find he, his girlfriend who has one line of dialogue. <laughs> yeah. It's... I. When when they're mining for gold and they decide, oh, we're going to have these gold bars instead. I don't know why they do that instead as a diversion. I don't know. Because well, he's like, when they present the bars of gold to yeah. Turl. And he's like, why is it so <laughs> why is it like this? Why is it refined? Yeah. <laughs> you should expect nothing less from the almighty Turl. <laughs> and Turl's like, seeing as you had enough time to smelt it, I shall put your timetable in half. Now and you Johnny's have seven like, days. Now we only have seven days to take back the planet. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that plan backfired. Yeah. But also Turl, just so blissfully yeah. unaware of what's going on. 
with so, the humans. Yeah. The God, just I have no idea what the sequence of, of events at this part in the movie yeah, is. Yeah, I'm lost. I know that this is around the part where Kelly Preston has her scene. Yeah. Which I think we must talk about. No. Well, what happened? No, what did they don't. even talk about? I was so it, distracted. It's where he gets the blackmail material for his boss to take over the colony or whatever. How did she get it? I think she slept with the senator, Sex? maybe. Oh, okay. But John Travolta, like, he's sitting down with Kelly Preston, who's playing. Her name in this movie is, I must say this, is Chirk. Uh, no. Her name is Chirk. No. But uh, Forrest Whitaker walks over and uh, Travolta's just like, Look at my new bow. And, he's, and he says this line He says, She's stupid enough not to betray me, good looking enough to be a secretary with economical speed. And a. Oh, she gets drunk with economical speed and has a great tongue. And she like. <laughs> <laughs> Who was he saying this to? <laughs> to Forrest Whitaker and I guess the audience and no one in particular. Uh. And she's the only female cyclo yes, we ever see. The only see. female cyclo. Uh, and that's her whole okay. appearance in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Preston. I think Forrest Whitaker tries to blackmail him after this. A second Kerf. time. Yes. He's like, I have a recording of you uh, saying you're going to, this operation. Now it's, it'll be a 50, an 80 20 split with me with the 80. And John's like, who? And he's like, puts a gun at him. He's like, if you you cannot, uh, t- I told someone. And Travolta does that thing you're talking about. He's like, who could you possibly have told it to? And he starts l- riddling off all these names and laughing. He's like, oh, could it have been the bartender? And he pulls the fucking <laughs> bartender's severed head out of a, out of, he had that bartender's head prepped. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. Like, it was in the container. Like, he knew this was going to happen. But also, like, Curl, he walks into the room. So yes. he plant, he planted that head before Forrest Whitaker <laughs> came in, waited for Forrest Whitaker to kind of sit down and be like, ha, 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 I'm going to fucking backstab you. And he goes, all right, I've got the perfect prop for this moment. And <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I appreciate your attempt to blackmail me. I'm proud you're learning from the best. But it is still an 80-20 split my way. Ha, ha, ha. I just want to wow. know what it was like on set when they're prepping for that scene, right? Yeah. And the props guy is like, all right, I have the alien head. He's like, oh, where, where, where do we put it in the scene? It's like, we're going to put it right here because what's going to happen in the blocking is like, Travolta's going to walk up in mid-conversation. And then he's like, could you, are you referring to the bartender? <laughs> and then like, there's like probably like the scripty or maybe a PA who's like, so did like, he already like put it there ahead of the <laughs> yeah. conversation. Yeah. Knowing he you, had you, that had to have you know, been a conversation. Like, there. Come on. <laughs> and they just said, don't think about it. <laughs> Don't think about it, or uh, the audience will infer. <laughs> okay, it's so, so we while, infer a lot while they're pretending to mine for the gold, they they find Fort Knox and they get a yes. bunch of military jets and nukes ready. Yeah, they they have all this military military equipment. Which when they see the jets, this is my favorite part. Yeah, <laughs> flight simulator. <laughs> They see these jets and they're like, well, we don't know how to fly them. And then, and they look over and they walk to this other room. It's like, what is this? And then like the whole like tube thing would say flight simulator comes down, door opens. And they're like, we shall learn. I'm like, what? They learn to fly these F-22s or whatever in like a week. This is like the pinnacle of lazy riding. They're like, oh, well, we need to have, they're, you know, they have sticks. aerial battle. Yeah, they have sticks and stones to fight these aliens with advanced technology. How are they going to know, like, how to, you know, how are they going to quickly evolve and, you know, take their planet back in seven days? Oh, well, they just have to learn how to fly. How do we do that? Flight simulator. Well, 
Not, yeah. you know, what would have been a, a more like Johnny has the knowledge of how to fly the alien ships. Why didn't they just go steal the ships and Johnny <laughs> teach everybody else? Why does it have to be a flight simulator with American Johnny technology? Johnny doesn't know how to fly an F-22. Because Americans have to kick the uh, aliens' ass. Hoorah. Oh, no. Yeah. I see your point. <laughs> so, because this is Independence Day at the end of the movie. Yeah, Independence Day. Everyone's following Except America's no Randy lead. Quake. I mean, he's like, you ugly sons of bitches. I'm back. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> So, they they plan the revolution, and Johnny, who started the movie Quickly, with a stick, who started the movie with a stick, is like, "Here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna blow up their home planet at the same time that we blow the ceiling on the Cyclodome, so they all suffocate, and then they can't teleport their new army in, which is on standby. Yes, that is their strategy. So they they commence operations." <laughs> I don't remember how this starts. I don't either. I don't exactly. They just start blasting. After a week of training, the rebels launch their attack. <laughs> a week? Um, a week of training. I thought they had seven days. Seven days. Okay. Where? I thought they had to like do this whole thing in the seven-day period of which they're golding, or they're they're mining gold. They're because pretending they... to mine gold, but they're secretly training for the operation. Okay, so at, when that finishes. They Those. begin operation. I'm what? <laughs> yeah, I I am also just like, what the fuck is happening? At this uh. Point? Uh, the the they have the humans, all the slaves still in the cyclodome. Yeah, start just smashing windows as a revolt because they start freeing it's, all the people in the cages, right? Yeah, they free all the people in the cage and they start smashing windows for like the one or two mm-hmm. cyclos in their room that are just like, Bah-h-h-h-h. and the cyclos don't do anything. They don't. They're watching all these humans revolt and smash windows and like cause a revolution. They're like, Rrr. yeah, and they stand there. It's not until John Twelve's like, kill the humans that they all start slowly sauntering over to Anyways, the to the revolt. I started blasting, <laughs> and they all start, start <laughs> yeah, and humans start blowing up. And then this 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 whole fight starts. Yeah, and then the war, the battlefield Earth begins. The battlefield oh. Earth begins. Um, what happens with Travolta and Good Boy? So Johnny, um, he's trying to rescue his his girlfriend, who is wearing a slave collar. John Travolta can explode at any point <laughs> across <laughs> the galaxy. He yeah. says. across the galaxy. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> Carlo apparently flies a jet into the roof of the cyclodome and explodes it. A suicide man. He Randy Quaid's himself. He, yeah, I did say he's the Randy Quaid in this movie. Well, he doesn't just do that. He like flies the jet into the glass dome. Yeah. And then it like it like cracks, but doesn't like shatter. Yeah, it's a very weird But then he takes an RPG and then he aims it at explosives next to it. <laughs> he's like five, four. Like I blow it up the dome in five Four, three, two, one. Here we go. <laughs> it's like a weird, like, weird pause. Why did you have to do any of that? Yeah. yeah. Like, it, so he blows up the dome. The The thing they had to do was they had to time the dome blowing up with Cyclo blowing up. Why? Because if they didn't, because if the dome explodes, the Cyclo army would come. And so... After oh, so he, communications should could still so, reach. Yeah, so after he blows up the dome, we cut to Cyclo. This army is just standing there. A lot of people are just There's like all, lines of them, yeah. hundreds, who just five seconds ago got the alert that Earth was under attack. And they're just prepped. 
It's all these guys just standing there. Like it's the implication is that this army has just they always just have troops standing on the teleportation pad at all <laughs> times, ready to go. Um I'm Where's Johnny I'm, so, in all of this? That's my well, problem. He, I don't know what happens. He's trying to get the trip. he's trying to get the nuke to the teleportation pad, I think. Yeah. And I think he succeeds at getting it there. Uh but Turl shows up. Yeah. And is like, you're ruining my plan. Ha ha ha. Uh, and so Johnny in some way gets the suicide collar off of his his girlfriend and puts it on Turl's arm without him noticing question mark. yeah they start fighting and then he can mono he like, mono he's like true you can't blow my girlfriend i'd love her and he's like oh watch me and he detonates it and blows his own arm off he's like ah no he doesn't even do that he's just like oh yeah the the psychos seemingly feel no oh. pain because he looks and he's like oh that's unfortunate yeah even forrest whitaker just walked off frame yeah, when, earlier his, hand when was blown off. His, his hand blown off for trying to betray Terrell. he's like oh yeah, he they must not feel and any so pain. Turl's arm is blown off. There's no blood, that's for sure. Yeah. And the Klingons have like blue, green blood or something they, like they that. They teleport the nuke to, to Cyclo. Which, have we discussed that this is a planet-sized nuke? Yes, exactly. Like we have a planet-destroying nuke at this point? The year 2000? Well, we I, made think, a... I think what happened... We didn't even have the internet, really. I think, I think what happens is it looks like Cyclo is a... Oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. Are you about to rationalize how this happens, I Jeff? know exactly how this works. No. It's established earlier in the movie that cyclo air exposed to radiation combusts. So when they detonate the nuke on cyclo, the entire planet lights on fire and explodes. Right. And who do they just teleport it? They, they kind of commit genocide. <laughs> the humans kind of commit genocide. I mean, the psych, you know. They could have just attempted to get the aliens off their own planet, but they're like, no. We're going to wipe out their home. You know, eye for an eye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the cyclos, you know, basically, you know, genocided humans first. No. It's only right. And they have colonies. No. But and not even like a 30 minutes earlier in the caves of the gold mines that they're mining, faking mining there. He said that we had to make peace, right? Yeah. Isn't that something yes. he said? He does. He says we cannot become them, but then he just yes. kills them all anyway. Then he just kills them. And yeah. there's a very funny effect during, during the blowing up of the planet. Cause it has <gasps> like a little moon. <laughs> you see the planet explode, and you see the moon just go. <laughs> 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 just, they yeeted the fucking moon <laughs> out of orbit. <laughs> uh, it, it looks so funny because someone had to animate this moon just go. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are some heinous composite work in this movie. Like, imagine being the uh, like your your moon base alpha or whatever. <laughs> you just get fucking yeeted <laughs> by your planet explode. You just see your planet exploding. He was like, "Whoa!" Oh shit! All of the like composite explosions on top of the miniatures mm. move with the camera. You know, like like an explosion happens here, and we're zooming past it. We should pass it, but it just sticks to the frame. Yeah. In some in some points, like, but, we pretty much just skipped over the whole battle because, like, I can't remember anything that happens. They're Me just, neither. Some of them are flying. Yeah. Some, some of them, them are, are flying, just. Some of them are on the ground. There are yeah. When they blow up the dome. Oh, no, there's like some sort of ship that runs into like a big pillar and all of the rubble starts falling on the people. And then we leave that yes. scene. And it is not explained if people survive because Johnny was on the ground. And then that's yeah. when Curl shows up and they yeah. start going mano y mano, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
And so we just cut from them blowing up Cyclo to Fort Knox, as one does. Yeah, there's a time jump like, oh, right, success, right? Yeah, and, and we just see Turl. And Johnny walks in, and we have Turl chained up in the center of Fort Knox, surrounded by gold bars, surrounded by his failure symbolism. I don't hate it. In awful composite work. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a good visual idea, one of the few in this movie. Um, but the compo- like all this gold is CGI. Like they could just made fake gold. But uh, and he's and Turl's like, "Why you keep me alive?" And Johnny's like, "As a bargaining chip in case this this other cycle colonies come for us." Like they were gonna fire Turl anyway. I don't think they're gonna care about using him as a bargaining well, I think, chip. I yeah. think that was his his thing, which is like. Because he says, like, if I tell the other cyclo colon- if the other cycle colonies come looking for us, and I tell them you're the reason that the whole planet yeah. got blown up, then they'll be after you and not us. Yeah. So it's like a weird, like, it's reverse strange. bargaining chip thing. It doesn't really make any sense. It to does me. not. But no. then they make Forrest Whitaker head cyclo. Yeah. And which is a new office position at Earth now. <laughs> head you know cyclo. What? Great. Forrest Whitaker comes up behind and Trolls is like, You messed out. My compatriot is here to free me. <laughs> I thought for sure I'm like, nobody saw this dude walk in. <laughs> and then it was the, the plot twist is that he's now working and with he's the like, humans. I'm with the humans now. Inexplicably. Nice. Deceptions. Inexplicably, he's gone the entire battle sequence. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't, he's, he's not, not here for twenty minutes. And he's like, I will help the humans rebuild. Yeah. And then we zoom in. Troll's like, no, no. And he's surrounded by the gold. I'd like to think he was just sitting by mourning the death of the bartender. <laughs> His good friend, compatriot. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. That's the end of the movie. So, yeah, we cut to uh, directed by Peter Christian or Roger Christian. The point A to point B in this movie looks like a squiggly line. There's just a hundred twists and turns for no reason. Yes. Like, how did we get to humans like to eat rats <laughs> to you're going to mind a gold for us? <laughs> to like knowledge blast. This movie yeah. makes no sense. No. I have no, I just described the plot and I still don't entirely know what happened. I kind of, I was like on board a little bit. Like at least like I knew what I was saying for the first half. Yeah. And then as I tried to explain more and more the plot, I'm like, wait, did that really happen? Yeah. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. I think Did the majority of this, this podcast. The Declaration of Independence. <laughs> I think we spent the majority of this podcast just trying to piece together the plot from memory, mm-hmm. which is, I don't even know why we attempted to do as such. Yeah. Bad idea. Yeah. But Maybe this it. would have been better as a commentary as the movie is playing because <laughs> there's just no. There's no thread. That's a Patreon thing we got to do. <laughs> Patreon. Do, or like a bonus episode. Just do a commentary of. The Mystery worst Science the worst. Theater style. Yeah. 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 I guess we gotta watch this movie again. No. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. That that idea is hard. Hard pass. Hard okay. pass. Because there so, are movies that I would say subjectively are bad. You know, like somebody's gonna find something to like. Objectively, this movie is just it's wrong. The worst. Like every decision was wrong, cinematography wise, performance wise, story wise character what everything was just wrong objectively this is the most objectively bad movie i've ever seen in my life <laughs> and i never want to sit through it again so this movie comes out this movie comes out uh let me find the date may 10th of the year 2000 it's got the star wars spot like opening may like they did oh. at the time 
the year after the Phantom Menace had come out. They're trying. They're really trying to like state their case. Major bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Opening like, weekend, eleven million dollars, <laughs> which is catastrophic. Travolta takes a very strange marketing ploy for this movie. It rather than do the traditional pe- press junket, he does signings of the book, Battlefield Earth. He didn't write the book. But with himself <laughs> signing them. He didn't write the book. Wow. Uh, this movie comes out, makes $11 million in its opening weekend, an average of $1,000 per screen. Catastrophic. Ooh, it makes Christ. 54% of its entire domestic gross in its first three days. 54? The following week, it faces earnings of just $205,000. <gasps> Uh, Warner Brothers slashes the screens that it's on to 600. Um, it made 18,000 in its sixth week, which I believe is no. its final week. Total of $21 million in release. Uh, $8 million internationally for a total of $29 million on a $73 million production budget. Ooh. Damn. So it loses $50 million. Big hit. Regards one of the most expensive box office bombs in film history. No way. It has a 3% Rotten Tomatoes score. It didn't even look expensive. 3%? Who's the positive? (laughs) Probably, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Travolta. uh, Probably John Travolta in a mustache. (laughs) (laughs) And this is like post-Matrix where something along this line was very much sought after. Yes. Very sought after. So much so, I, I think I said to you, the Battlefield Earth portion of Battlefield Earth, you could probably comfortably interject matrix revolutions into that <laughs> right because you've got the somewhat tribal cave people from yeah. like the actual universe not the matrix fighting alien ships with lack of direction yeah. in all of this action sequence i bet you could interject matrix revolutions matrix? into battlefield earth and it would be a better movie for it battlefield earth or matrix revolutions battlefield earth okay if you show me some matrix in there it would be better i really don't like matrix revolutions so much so that i think it would be a four-hour epic if we interjected (laughs) it epic to battlefield earth someone needs to do that it's a very similar plot i'm still gonna stand by uh turl johnny good boy love story (laughs) that would have been the correct choice that would i just wow and and you make it like and here's the thing: for the year, for it being the year 2000, you make it very, very, very on the nose mm-hmm. about gay rights. <laughs> like it's like a cyclo and a human. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, a man <laughs> animal with the cyclos. So the the thing about this movie is that it uh, it kills Barry Pepper's career before it starts. Oh. It sends John Travolta in a rapid decline. This is his Icarus moment, as we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, toward his. Does this shift gener like, um, you've got all these Travolta eras? Is this the end of one? No. Or the beginning. No, of No, this one? is the beginning of the end of the A list era. Uh, Beginning of the end? Yes. Okay. After this, he's on a downward slope. That eventually. But I'm saying is the next movie the next era? No. What? This isn't an. This isn't an era shifting movie. He's still still riding the inertia of being an A-list star after this movie. But this is what starts his decline to like irrelevancy. Okay, so that wasn't that a start of an era. It starts the decline, but he's still in the era. Like he's still an A-list star when he does Swordfish after this. But this dinged him enough that he's like, he's on the slope. I okay. think, I think, no, but I, I think it's a very valid question. I think it's worthy to explain what is our 
border. What, yes. What is the movie that the movie that changes is his last A list role, by our definition, is Bolt. After Bolt is when he settles into uh, direct to video action movies. What's the first oh. movie in the next era? It's the taking of Pelham one two three old dogs from Paris with love, as the lineup. Hmm. Those three mm. start. The yeah, new that, era. that's when he settles into like direct to video action, like cheapo comedies. Like for movies like this, be cool, Wild Hogs. He's still like getting top billing. There's still like major studio releases. It's not until like Bolt's premise, the last gasp, where it's like he's starring in a Disney movie. And then after that, it's it's just nothingness. That's okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. Mm. Mostly about like some of these movies still, it's for the most part, exist. <laughs> yeah. It, it's but you're you're saying like the whole 2000 to basically 2010 is still an A-list era for him. He's still A-list at this point. Okay. He's still A-list. Like he's getting lead roles in movies that make you know a point that like make an impact even if they're not necessarily good movies. Uh-huh. Um, okay. I would say Hairspray is still like an A-list moment for him. I would say more so than any of these other movies yeah. and Bolt and all that jazz. But okay. I'm going to talk about, so how disastrous of a flop this was. This ends two entire companies. <gasps> <laughs> Whoa. So Franchise Pictures, which produced this film, is sued by its investors for fraudulently overstating this film's budget and then not making any of it back. Uh, so Can you fran- do that? Franchise Pictures goes under the wire as a result of this movie's complete failure. This movie also ends Trendmasters Entertainment, which produced the toy line for this movie oh. and suffered just catastrophic losses on the toy line that they could not financially recover and shut down. Because they produced all these Turl and Carlo action figures and then could not sell them. Oh, no. So this movie ends two entire companies, two careers. Like, you know, who is this movie for? Exactly. I was going to say, like, you know, John Travolta it, wants Battlefield this to be Earth is rated PG-13. For intense sci-fi action. <laughs> uh, this movie is supposed to be the next Star Wars. Instead, Star Wars is the next Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, The yeah. Matrix is the next Star Wars around this time. Yeah, this is a bad... I mean, Battlefield Earth, regardless of what year it was released, would have been a, a bombshell and just, like, obviously bad. Yeah. But to piggyback off of The Matrix, to piggyback yeah. off of the first prequel yeah. movie, and then going into Lord of the yeah, Rings... Yeah, it goes into Lord of the Rings the year after this. It, it's catastrophic time to release this amazingly astonishingly bad competition Mm. uh travolta even though this movie makes no money and it kills two companies travolta still goes on about making a sequel for five years he's trying to get funding for battlefield earth 2 which will tell the second half of the book uh for which everyone else involved is like no i'm not doing this (laughs) how do you pitch a sequel to the biggest box office bomb in history. Travolta says, and I quote, oh, here's another quote he had about this movie. He called it the Schindler's List of sci-fi action no. films. No, he didn't. Uh, no, I refuse uh, to believe this. Uh, oh th- my God. He thinks this is going to be huge. <laughs> There's a very long, um, exp- he gives a very sweaty, long explanation about how this movie actually made money. Oh. Um, let me, I'm He's like, to... yeah, I made $10 million. 
I mean, I'm just wow. He pretty much says like, this movie actually was a success because with DVDs and Blu-rays <laughs> and whatnot, we secretly actually made uh, our money back, and we're going to make a sequel. <laughs> why? Why is he so defensive? about this because this was his like passion project but own it don't like you know it's one thing to to try to paint it as something completely different but like just own it for what it is he says ultimately this movie did 100 million when you count box office dvd video and pay-per-view which is not the case um in 2001 there he attempted to get a 13-hour animated series um and manga made for this did not succeed um, oh my god! I just had a bunch of pops up, pop ups on my computer. <laughs> uh, the sequel was going to be released in two thousand three, so as to not compete with Attack of the Clones in two thousand two. <laughs> oh my god! No, instead it was going to compete with Return of the King. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which would have been the Return of the King. Yeah, I'm just. I would recommend anyone who's interested go into the Wikipedia and read fraud by franchise pictures and canceled follow-ups and sequel sections for this movie. Chef, can I read you this? Yes. As Travolta did not attend to collect his trophies at the Razzies, an action figure of Turl, his character accepted them in his place. <laughs> Amazing. Like... Like... <laughs> Travolta responded a week later I didn't even know there were such awards I have people around me whose job it is to not tell me such things they're obviously doing their job not every film can be a critical or box office success it would have been an awful it would have been awful only if Battlefield Earth was neither that's not the case it's edging towards its one million dollar mark which means that it's found an audience even if it didn't impress the critics <laughs> I'd rather my films connect with audience than critics because it gives it more longevity as a performer this is the most insane movie to ever exist. I have never seen Denial in a more obvious fashion. You know Charles' character from Lucky Numbers, the movie that we're covering next? This is, him in the press tour for this is just him in Lucky Numbers, really sweatily explaining why it's still a success. <laughs> Battlefield tied for the highest number of Razzies won by a single film at the time, with Showgirls 1995 achieving seven wins in 96. Battlefield Earth was later awarded with the eighth Razzie for worst drama of our first 25 years. In 2010, the, the film received an award for worst picture of the decade, bringing its total number of Razzie awards to nine, consequently setting a record for the most Razzies won by a single film. That record was surpassed in 2012 when Jack and Jill won 10 awards. <laughs> Dunkachino, huh? <laughs> What's my name? Dunkachino, huh? So. Um, I want to talk about Travolta. We gotta talk about Travolta. Well, I just, I'm a little worried about it. <laughs> You're a little worried. <laughs> just like, you know, Pulp Fiction gave him a second chance, yes. and we had some good times because yes. I'm I'm starting to get, you know, the thing that really sucks about this, it's like you know, with the blowout uh, in 1980 and how it gave us like the 80s of pure nothingness. Yes. You know, there was a resurrection. There was a resurrection and, that we could look forward to. There was a and, New Testament, and and you know, again, he could still get another resurrection in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three. Like who knows, the resurrection could still be coming. But, but, like his Icarus moment, like in the eighties, it was 
it was like taking a chance for the good reason yeah of like listening to this like director brian de palma and like going deep into the story and like you know blowout was a good movie and it was a good chance to take but it was just pure luck of the draw that audiences weren't going to like it and so the consequences of his actions for his drawback in the 80s like i felt really sad for yeah and i was like this guy is a good actor and like he deserves better roles and he should be given this chance these chances and then he finally got his chance to prove it with pulp fiction and in uh uh 93 right 93, 94 94 and then he gets uh he gets back into good better films like get shorty and we get phenomenon we get we get you know michael even and we get all these like really like decently performed pieces of him and it's like there we go there we go we finally see our man travolta doing it once more what are you doing jeff you're ruining the moment here. Oh, I'm trying. Keep try- going. Keep going. I'm trying to b- build a keep moment going. here. I'm, I'm listening to your moment. Okay. Keep going. Um. So, but now, with this precipice we are entering upon, this is all his fault, fault. and it's gonna be. He really, dug his own grave. And it. And the thing is, it's like I've been. I was pulling for this guy. Yeah. We started this podcast in 1975, <laughs> and I've been pulling for him ever since. Yeah. For 25 years for 20 in Canada. 25 <laughs> years, I have been pulling for this guy. I mean, like, come on, Johnny. Come on. You can do it. Like, wonder, you got the chops. I wonder if this wasn't a Scientology-based science fiction novel, if he would have been as passionate about it. Absolutely not. No? I have no doubt. If it wasn't for the R.N. Hubbard, this all this would not have happened. Wow. And so, like, that just makes me think it's like, like, I want to try to, like, pin it on something else other than Travolta, because then, if it is going to be Travolta, then all these movies that we're about to have to endure pretty soon are his fault. Are his fault. And arguably, this is kind of the movie that started kind of the the backbone of this podcast that this really skyrocketed him into some sort of hilarious, hilarious social yeah. figure and, and mm-hmm. actor celebrity. It's impossible for Hollywood to take him seriously after this movie. Right. Which is why all of his like attempts at dramatic work after this start like flopping yeah. again and again. Yeah. Cause he's just the battlefield earth guy after this. Yeah. yeah. And he shot for the stars like it's hard. And landed on Planet Cyclo. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately. And it's it's hard to it's hard to like take him seriously as like a badass figure in Swordfish or whatever. A movie we'll be talking about um, when he's just Turl. He's the Battlefield Earth guy. Remember when he wore the dreadlocks? Yeah, and it, it's, it's just like I don't know. Like, what can bring him back from this movie? It's like Tom Cruise when he did the um, like it was. For, it like killed his career for five years, basically, when he did the jumping on the Oprah couch thing. Yeah. Like, he became the Oprah couch guy. Ooh, want to go see him in Valkyrie, the Nazi honeymoon? Oh, the funny Oprah couch guy? Yeah. That's what happens to John Trolley. He's the dreadlocks guy after this. But Tom Cruise had an innocent moment about Kate Hudson. Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, thank you. Katie Holmes. Cute moment that obviously people took in stride. This is a... A... Uh, imagined... Created yes. and released piece by John Travolta. A fiercely defended bad decision. Yes. Yes. And there's nothing worse than like when you're staring at a pile of shit on the conference room table yeah. in the face. Wow, way to bring it back. 
and everyone's like looking at it and it still smells and it's still oily uh-huh. and you're just like executives leave the room and just leave and the it's, business it's pure and you're calling that pile of shit on the table pure gold mm-hmm. and to this day you're calling it pure gold it's like it's really hard to take you seriously he's still that. very proud of this movie he is still proud and of this part of movie. me is like happy that he was happy with it yes but I think it's based in a delusion mm-hmm. rather than, than anything. It's kind of like watching somebody go through an addiction and you're just like, I can't. They look happy on the outside. Oh, God. That's a really in, that's an interesting allegory or like metaphor to it. You're trying to take them out of it, but you also want them to be happy, but not they're not doing it in a healthy way. Well, and like we can pin we can put the blame on like Scientology and that fanaticism to it. Yeah, I agree. And to go back to addiction thing, it's like, you know, like I don't judge people for being religious and it's like, if it makes you a better person, if you feel happier with it, that's great. And Scientology for all of its flaws and interesting, um, philosophies. Um, if you are a Scientologist and you think it really helps your life and puts you in a better place, more power to you. In that um, regard, the God's Not Dead franchise is identical to Battlefield Earth. Hmm. In the sense that it is fueled yes. and supported largely yes. by its own audience and nobody yes. else. Right. And a religious background. Yes. Like Christians uh, very... Like, they defend it. They defend God's Not Dead. Yeah. For as horrible of a movie as that is, um, I, people defend it very much. And it's like... And, and, and it's hard to like sort of like try to debate with them on that because it's like I get why you like it. Yeah. Like I get why you probably think it's a great movie. And for like people like John Travolta, like he looks at Battlefield Earth and he's like he's in love with it. He thinks it's like the best work of his creation. He thinks it's better than his role in Pulp Fiction maybe. See, I would love to ask him this. It's like he may love this movie, but does he think he's good in this movie? Does he think he gave his best performance in this? Like does he think that his performance in Battlefield Earth is better than his performance in Pulp Fiction? Because I would love to know the answer to that. Hmm. I would love for him to say, like, well, no, I think, like, the writing and the direction and my choices in, as um, um, uh, Vince Vega, you know, were a little bit more nuanced in ways that I really weren't able to explore in Battlefield Earth. But I do like the movie Battlefield Earth more. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm. I would love to know... I would just, I just love to know. Again, what is John Travolta's own ranking of his own movies? Yes, I want his ranking. Yes, I want his hair ranking. Well, I'd be interested to hear about that too. Uh, but yes, like, and in different categories of ranking. Because mm-hmm. have you guys ever seen an interview where he says his favorite movie that he's ever done? Because I'm sure that's a question that actors always get. Do you think they do like a GQ breakdown, John Travolta most iconic roles thing? You know how they do I, that? I would guess he hasn't done one yet. Because I don't think he's done any movies yeah. recently that could uh, fit into that. It, it's the GQ, like, breaks down most iconic characters. I wonder, oh. they, do they do one with John Travolta yet? I do not believe it's they have. George Clooney Because I feel like Vincent Vega would be the top regardless. I want to know John Travolta's opinion. I... Yeah, I would I love... A, a Yahoo video called John Travolta calls some of his favorite roles that we'll have to check out. Okay. But we're just stringing the audience along for us <laughs> describing this video I found right now. Yeah. We'll look at it later. Uh, there is a Travolta looks back at his most iconic movies interview, but it's not like 
any like it's not like the GQ one. Yeah. It's just like a regular interview. I might cue well, that up for later. But yes, I would love to see a John Travolta rank his own movies in the following categories. Like one list where he's ranking his performance and one where he's ranking just the the quality of the movie. Yeah. Just overall. Like he might think that Battlefield Because those will be vastly different. Yeah, yeah. He might he might think that Battlefield Earth is the best movie, but mm-hmm. he might think his Pulp Fiction role is his best performance. Yeah. yeah. Would love to know that. But yes. I feel like his favorite movie of his role of like that he's done has to be like one of the goofiest ones. If I, I from my right. impression of him, and what, I, I'm afraid that answer is Battlefield Earth. Right. If he says Battlefield Earth is his best performance, I, I can't. I, I maybe not best performance, <laughs> but favorite movie could be. Well, again, like if he says this is his favorite movie, then that I kind of put on to like it's a Scientology thing. He it's a passion project, the L. Ron Hubbard mentor storyline. Yeah. Like he's got a whole bunch of baggage on it. But yeah. if he's at least got the merit of an actor to know that it's a bad performance and like because it's a bad performance, guys. John Travolta's bad in that movie. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Like, you mm. know, moment by moment, you could say he was 20. Like he's young. He's playing like a young boy and he's doing a little too hard. You know, like the Gina you know yeah. avoiding the plastic <laughs> bubble like those were some pretty bad performances yeah. but like all the there's other bad, a hunger there yeah but all the other bad movies like he's never really the problem he, like he's doing yeah. pretty well he in just acting alone in just acting alone he's bad in this movie mm-hmm. like he's not doing a good job no <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, then that would like really spook me if he was like no, no, no. Not only do I think this is my favorite movie, I think this is my best performance. Then we have a we have, we a, have convers- a problem. We have a so problem. In this video of him reflecting on his career, it does jump from primary colors to the fanatic at the end. Hmm. Okay. I mean, we'll, this will be like a 20 it. year gap at the end of this video. Hmm. Which is very funny. Well, he's probably talking in general. I don't think actors. I don't. I, if I were an actor, I don't think I would love to say like what my favorite movie that I've ever done is because it seems to degrade the others. Like ask Roger Deakins, what's your favorite movie you've ever shot? Um, they all have their own qualities. Yeah. Any person who's like an artist is just like, well, they're all different. Yeah. Yeah. Not one's better than the other. Exactly. Right. Although I hate that answer, but it is true. It is. It is true. I do. Cause it is very much a cop out answer. It is like, well, you know, one's not better than the other. They're all different. It's like because clearly he would say "No Country for Old Men." That's just <laughs> hands, hands down. <laughs> anyway, right. one last thing before we start wrapping this up. Yeah, we were just talking about the "God's Not Dead" franchise. Oh no! And I just have some really, I just have some real beef to, to throw out right now. Okay. It is so infuriating that those movies, that the titling sequence for those is "God's Not Dead," "God's Not Dead 2, "God's Not Dead: A Light in the Darkness," and "God's Not Dead: We the People." It should have been God's not dead. God's still not dead. God's really still not dead. Like there's like because the poster is a person putting the knot between God and dead. It should be like every poster should be an extra person adding another word to the sequence until it just gets really overwhelming. Is this really how we're ending this? I think it should be a really overwhelming thing with like twenty people all trying to add new words. It's kind of like the you know the the fatal flaw in the now you see me franchise yeah the, that they the said uh, now you see me too it's like no it's like it should have been like now you see me and then the sequel is now you don't yeah that that's it's well okay just to bring it full circle so this isn't just a weird ending to this yeah. what would battlefield earth sequel be called battlefield earths no no 
No. We're doing the aliens format. Because well, oh wait, it, we it, didn't even mention the fact that there's a subtitle. Oh yeah, a saga of the year three thousand. Oh my god! At least it's it shares the title Battlefield Earth with the green font underneath, and it, what was it say? A saga of the year three thousand. If this is going to be at the wow. same merit of how, like, if we're going to give the same merit to the title as the merit of the original movie is, then it might as well be called like Battlefield Earth: Turtles Return. <laughs> Turtles or, Return. Or Battlefield Earth: The Cyclo Strikes Back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Cyclo Strike Back. Turtle yeah. has to be there oh, well, i wonder what yeah. the second half of the book is well so i just read that. that's dianetics <laughs> this movie only covers the first 460 pages of the thousand page book jesus 1, christ 000? so uh there's still 500 pages to go oh my god and uh god forbid we ever see that movie i want to know what it's about how does it end <laughs> i don't know does it end in more nonsense about gold I, I would assume rats? it ends with the others the cyclos coming to invade earth and the actual battlefield Earth occurring. Yeah, because in the end of this movie, they're just like, we've taken Earth back. And I'm like, no, you've taken Denver. What? <laughs> how is Sweden doing? Yeah. <laughs> where's Where's Russia at, you know? Where's the Republic of Congo going? How are, they, how are they doing? Peru? How are they doing? What if it was only Denver? Like, the rest of humanity is functioning perfectly fine, but just Colorado <laughs> has been, like, assimilated by the cyclos. Oh, man. Like, well, they fly to, like, the UK, and it's, like, a thriving society. <laughs> At the end of this, you guys need to have an amend, amended episode of being like, we described the last 500 pages of Battlefield Earth <laughs> that could be the sequel. Our bonus episode. Never will happen. Oh, our bonus episode is when we read Battlefield <laughs> Earth. A dramatic reading. A dramatic reading of Battlefield Earth with sound effects. Jeff, I swear to God, if this shows up on my coffee table, I'm going to break up with you. What? What, what? is What is he showing? What's he looking at? He's looking at copies of the book. Oh, God. But, Shut the fucking laptop. Yeah, this is Shut. the end of this episode. <laughs> okay. This is it. Thank you all for listening oh, very much. You can find it. us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, you can uh, c- contribute on our Reddit forum, r slash Travolting. You can find us on Instagram at Travolting Pod. And on, Twitter. And Twitter can find me on Instagram at StuartOmer95. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. You can also email us, TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. Because seeing as Stuart is trying to rapidly get us out of here before I order the book. Becca, yeah. uh, would you, well, you are also a graphic designer. We appreciate you very much. But we would like you to plug anything. Uh, no. I mean, my Instagram is Becca Lynn Artist. You can see some of my photography, cinematography work there. And um, yeah. Oh, you know? We never did mention that this DP shot Hell or High Water. Right. Yeah, the acclaimed 2016 yeah. David McKenzie film, Hell or on High Water. On that note, this DP had better work. At least he didn't end his career on this. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Thanks so for having me on. I think this is my last episode on this podcast. Oh, no, it, it's definitely not. It's not the last? No, you're. You, there's at least one more where we're having a lot of guests. Oh, Becca, no. I... Oh, God. Yeah. You'll be I'll back. I'll see you in another 20 years in his lexicon. Yeah, we'll be seeing a lot of our old friends back for that episode. Shit. Do we have to re-close out since we kind of went on another bit? Or? What? No, I think a closing is good. The, I mean, the, the Michael Van Bodegon Smith theme music is playing right now. Can't you hear it? It's a very short theme music, so it's going to have to like start and stop and start well, and stop. Well, it's playing right now. Can't you hear it? It just started. Okay, it just started. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye.